You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. This week on the Paracast, Chris O'Brien is on special assignment, which is a convenient way of saying that he had something else he needed to do and won't make it here. But we do have a worthy substitute in the person of Kurt Collins, who returns as our guest co-host. Kurt, welcome back to the Paracast. Thank you. We're going to catch up on a few things before we introduce our main guest, who is none other than Nick Redfern, who has written in the month of, between September and August of 2015, he released three new books. I think he's going for a rest cure, because if I put out three books that quickly, I would go for a rest cure. But let's catch up on a few things here. So you're telling me, Kurt, that this show will coincide with the MUFON conference, right? That's right. They're uh, the, uh, starting Thursday, Thursday through Sunday, I guess. Yeah, they've got some big things. Uh, our, our friend Jaime Masson is one of the presenters, uh, Paul Hellyer, Mark uh, D'Antonio. I believe he's been on your show. So there's a mix. I think some people that are respectable and some that are present some interesting information. Well, I always have problems when you have one of these events, but you also have people who maybe have some questionable credentials, like Kami Busan. They say that he was he was booked for his international reputation, and uh, he's he's a good source for providing uh, videos, international videos. That may be so, but there's some other problems that um, squirrel monkeys, for instance, mummies, a few things like that. Just a few problems. And then, of course, Paul Hillier, when they had that citizens hearing on UFOs with former members of Congress in Washington, D.C., he had a speech towards the end of the session where he sort of went off the rails. Well, the, the thing that I've heard, and I've talked to a few people that, that have met him, you know, he had a, had a position with the Canadian government, but that was a long time ago. And his, he really has no um, uh, serious direct knowledge of the UFO field. And he's a recent newcomer. He became, uh, uh, well, basically a UFO fan. I think he read a few UFO books and, you know, he's got some, some interesting economic theories, which may or may not be valid. But it's all secondhand information. I mean, you know, if you went to somebody and, and met a UFO fan at a bookstore, they, their knowledge would be about as valid as, as what he brings. So the reason that he has government credentials years ago, that's what gives him credibility that maybe he doesn't deserve. Well, you know, I think that's true. That's absolutely true. You know, he's definitely banking on that relationship. And I think he had he had some some other um, he had he had run for election again and wasn't wasn't reelected. So um, you know I'm sure he's a nice man, but they didn't want him back. Understand that. I noticed an old friend is also speaking, Preston Dennett. Now, I had a magazine back in the 70s and 80s called Caveat mTOR that I published and edited with my first wife, Geneva. And he was a regular writer towards the end of that magazine's existence. So it's kind of interesting to see that after all these years, he's still at it. Wow, that's great. No, I, I'm, I'm not familiar with his work. So it'll be interesting to see what he, he presents at the conference. Are you going to be there? No, I've got... Uh a friend, Rich Hoffman, will be there. He's the uh, he's the former uh, Mississippi State Director. He's uh, over Alabama. He's he's one of the ones that's involved in that um, uh, star team manager now. You know, he's highly highly placed in Mufon, and as a separate project, 
I think I mentioned the last time I was here that he's uh, working on that um, Puerto Rican case with the the separate group from MUFON, the the Scientific Coalition of Ufology. Now I don't know if he's going to present anything there, but I'm sure that. It, the uh, the video this Puerto Rican video that they analyzed will be discussed. You know, it should be a good topic. Now, just to point out here, this conference is happening when this show will be on. Okay, so if you don't hear the Paracast immediately as it's broadcast over the GCN network, you hear it as a podcast version or through Paracast Plus. Well, folks, the event is happening or would have happened in Irvine, California. But we'll have more information on it. Should mention, since we're discussing the Paracast Plus, that's our alternative to just listening to the show on the radio or as a straight podcast. We offer a special version without the ads, better quality audio for the Paracast Plus. And we also give you the After the Paracast podcast, which is a tongue twister. But it's also a fascinating show from 25 to 45 minutes It's post-game commentary, color commentary, special guests. It's really fascinating. After the Paracast, there's only one way to get that show, and that's to join the Paracast Plus. You go to plus.theparacast.com, plus.theparacast.com, and we've got a special deal for you. If you sign up for a year, you get the ebook version of Secrets of the Mysterious Valley from Chris O'Brien. If you sign up for five years, you get that book and... Stalking the Tricksters from Chris O'Brien. Trendsetting book, New Paradigm in UFO Research, Stalking the Tricksters. And it comes with a five-year membership of the Paracast Plus. Go to plus.thepowercast.com, plus.thepowercast.com. Let me hit one other topic, Kurt. And that is something kind of funny. Now, of course, Kurt is the proprietor or curator of jimmosley.com, which is a site that honors the memory of our late friend Jim Mosley. And I was reading the other day a review on the scholarship or lack thereof in a book called Killing Jesus, which is written by Bill O'Reilly, the Fox News host. And he has a co-author who I suspect probably did most of the writing, but that's another story. In any case, this person reviewed that book and found like 133 inconsistencies just about the dates of the events in the history of Jesus. And the guy's name, he's a minister who writes a lot of stuff. His name is James Mosley. Now, the irony of this, of course, is that the Jim Mosley I knew or the James Mosley I knew was not religious at all. That is real strange. But if you want to find out more, you go to jimmosley.com. Kurt, can you tell our listeners whether you have some new stuff over there now? I'm hoping to have something, and you know, uh, Nick Redfern was uh, was a friend of Jim Mosley's, so I'm I'm going to pester him to see if he's uh, got something he could contribute. Well, that will be a very interesting thing because Nick is going to be on the show this week, and as we've mentioned, Nick Redfern is one of the most prolific UFO authors currently. I think the only UFO author who has written more books and he was written about general paranormal subjects is none other than Brad Steiger. That last count, he was up to 165 books. I don't think Nick is quite there yet, but his recent books include, this is just for August and September, is Bloodline of the Gods, Unravel the Mystery in the Human Blood Type to Reveal the Aliens Among Us, the Bigfoot Book, 
the Encyclopedia of Sasquatch, Yeti, and Cryptid Primates, and Men in Black, Personal Stories and Eerie Adventures. We can never give up on those men in black. Gina, believe it or not, there's another one. Another one? Chupacabra Road Trip in Search of the Elusive Beast. How You're right. This- you know, I didn't even notice that one because there's so many books that Nick has written. And the fact that four of them come out within one month of each other is not because he wrote them all within a month. It's very likely because different publishers have different schedules. But you know what? We're going to rag on Nick over that. <laughs> you know, how do you write four books? What would you do? Get Bill O'Reilly to write for you or William Shatner or something? I was looking for a, a bibliography of Nick, and I don't, I don't think anyone's got a file big enough to hold all the books. But I did notice that uh, one of his books was co-authored with Brad Steiger, so that's interesting that these two record holders you know, have worked together. I, I can't remember the title of that. We might have to ask him about that. We'll have to look it up because he has a page on Amazon. But there's a lot of fascinating stuff here. We'll talk about the recent books about the Bigfoot, about the bloodline of the gods, which I really want to talk about because we don't get into that topic as often as we should. Nick Redfern coming up next with Gene and our co-host, Kurt Collins. You're in the Paracast. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Sciatica, lower back pain, hip pain, poor posture. If you suffer from any of these problems, get ready to relax. Introducing an amazing product that's been in the market for over 25 years, the Sacro Wedgie. It was invented by a football coach using a common sense osteopath technique. He created this device to help his athletes by isolating and supporting the sacrum, which is the keystone of our anatomy. This wedge-shaped bone is in the center of our hips, where a lot of pain starts. Simply relax 20 minutes daily on the amazingly simple Sacro Wedgie and let gravity do the work, helping muscles rebalance and start releasing nerves. Sit in the sacral wedgie at the computer or while traveling to help correct posture to finally help relieve those stubborn aches and pains for only $33.95. It's made in the USA, so click the family-owned website at sacrowedgie.com, spelled S-A-C-R-O-W-E-D-G-Y.com, or call 1-800-737-9295. That's 1-800-737-9295. Relax your back pain away with the sacral wedgie. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. 
with the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. This is a healthcare alert from the Pain Relief Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one suffers from knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain and have Medicare as your primary insurance, we've got great news. You don't have to suffer any longer. You can immediately qualify for a pain-relieving brace at little or no cost to you by calling our 24-7 Pain Relief Hotline at 866-389-0620. Delivery is free and all paperwork is handled for you. If you are on Medicare and have knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain, don't wait. You can qualify to immediately receive a pain-relieving brace at little or no cost by calling our 24-7 pain hotline now at 866-389-0620. Our representatives are standing by 24-7 to take your call and rush you your pain-relieving brace at little or no cost to you. Shipping is free and all paperwork is handled for you. Just call 866-389-0620. That's 866-389-0620. Again, 866-389-0620. Paid non-attorney spokesperson, Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with Principal Office in Houston, Texas, is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Kurt Collins is our guest co-host this week. Chris O'Brien's on special assignment. We're happy to welcome one of the most prolific authors in the world of the paranormal, Nick Redfern. Welcome back, Nick. Hi, guys. How's it going? Quite well, my friend. I was thinking here, and Kurt and I were kind of mentioning this in the preamble to the show. How many books have you written now? Um, about, about 32, across about about 22 years, something like that. All right, 32 books. That's about as many as I've written. But I wrote a lot of books about computers. I remember you telling me that once before. You didn't do like a lot of like how-to books and that kind of thing where there Right, and those are the yeah. kind of books that don't last, you know. You write something about a current version of a computer operating system or software or a current product, and that product is obsolete in a year. So there's not much longevity. So unless you have a really old product, nobody cares about my books anymore. Well, you know, I think you get that even in, in UFO books. I mean, if if UFO researchers are honest with each other, you know, um, certainly a lot of my conclusions and thoughts on the UFO subject have definitely changed since I first wrote my books, so, uh, first books, you know. So if somebody picked up the first couple of books that are 96, 97, something like that, you know, they'll see a lot of my thoughts today they're different to that, to what they were back then. And certainly there's people who still hold some of the theories that I held back then, but some of my ideas have definitely changed. I guess you get that across the board, really. Since you raised the subject, what do you think are the key areas in which your viewpoints have changed over the years from the first books to the current ones? Oh, well, I think the most significant one is the issue of, or the origins of the UFO phenomenon. You know, I, I pretty 
doubtful of the scenario of them being literally extraterrestrial. I mean, my first two books, Covert Agenda and FBI Files, were published in 97 and 98, but they were sold and published in 96, and the writing was completed on both around about 94. So, you know, we're going back 20-plus years, and certainly like 22 years since those two books, 23 years since I even started writing them. And, and, and I mean, ironically, probably within a year or two of those books coming out, I've started to take far more of a the same type of approach that John Keel took. You know, and um, I pretty much, as people who know me will know, that for the most part, you know, I'd be very surprised if the answer is just, oh, it's aliens from another world visiting us. I'd sort of take far more, like I said, like a Keelian view of everything. There was once an article that Ray Palmer wrote in Flying Saucers magazine back in the 60s. And he was also talking about UFOs not being necessarily spaceships. And he had an article roughly entitled... Do the Martians see UFOs too? Suggesting that if there were beings on Mars, they'd see UFOs too because UFOs are not related to a specific planet in the sense of coming from another world. They are possibly intrinsic to that world. Just like we suggest that maybe UFOs are intrinsic to Earth and maybe the aliens on some planet orbiting Tau Ceti, for example or Zeta Reticuli, they'd also see UFOs and wonder what they were. Well, that's a good point. I mean, that actually touches on some of the things that Keel said, the idea that the UFO phenomenon and, you know, a wide range of other bizarre mysteries are actually indicative of something that's part of the planet rather than something that is visiting the planet or something that unknown that lives on the planet, that it's part of the of, of the the earth itself or something that manifests here and, and has manifested you know over as long as we've been around in various archetypal guises you know gods demons angels space brothers greys extraterrestrials you know bigfoot my view certainly for the last sort of 20 years has been you know i don't dismiss the extraterrestrial hypothesis at all but i think you know there's even if i don't fully understand what's going on. I think there are enough threads that kind of demonstrate a linkage and parallels and similarities between a lot of these phenomena that so many people dearly wish weren't connected, you know, but that's that says more about their belief systems than anything else. You know, when you talk about that, you kind of bring to mind one of your books that I have here. It's called Bloodline of the Gods, subtitled Unravel the Mystery of the Human Blood Type to Reveal the Aliens Among Us. Now, before we start this, of course, there's a feeling in some circles of people who look into UFO abductions that that's involving, in part, an effort by E.T. to create a hybrid race. But your book is suggesting, basically, that we are the hybrids, right? Well, yeah. I mean, the book actually covers two areas. And I should stress that, like all my books, you know, what I try and do is to demonstrate that we're dealing with theories that we try and find data to support or negate. You know, I never, you know, write a book from the perspective of saying, I know for sure this is what's going on, or I believe this, etc. And people sometimes accuse me of fence-sitting, because I do take that approach of, you know, I just don't know, but I can present data, and this is an interesting scenario to pursue, to see where it leads or it doesn't lead. And that's what I've done with this book. You can find a few articles going back more than a couple of years. 
that overall in the last few years there's been this sort of almost like a surge of interest in people who have RH negative blood, according to the accounts, the articles, etc., seem to have a higher than normal percentage of UFO experiences, abductions, contactee cases than people who don't have RH negative blood. And so the book isn't a book that sort of is designed to support the theory. It's a book that looks at the theory and addresses whether there are or there is data that supports it. And if it does, how how valuable or, you know, conclusive is it? Or is it just a case of people, you know, repeating what somebody else said and people looking at the RH negatives but not looking at the rest of the abductees, you know? So in other words, are you getting a false reading because you're focusing on the RH negatives because you're essentially told to, you know? So it's sort of like an open-minded look at the phenomenon and the theories. And, uh, but, it's, you know, it's a controversial angle. And, um, you know, as I pointed out, I'm not a big believer in the extraterrestrial angle, but this book looks from the perspective of what people are saying about the extraterrestrial angle and RH negatives, and then I, you know, then I address it. Now, just to point out something here, I'll reveal something, and maybe she didn't want me to reveal it, but I don't think it's a big secret. My first wife, Geneva, had mm-hmm. RH negative blood. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know the significance of that otherwise. It doesn't mean she's necessarily an alien, but we did mention last week where she had this taste of a very mild drug and had this incredible revelatory experience. So something about her is a little bit different. But I think maybe before we get into anything about Geneva, we should bring her back on the show and talk about that and see how that relates to anything. Well, you know, it's interesting that people who, you know, there are a lot of stories about people who are, given pills or things to drink in relation to UFO encounters, which they often describe like a bitter taste. And then they have, like you said, a profound UFO experience. There's actually a brand new, I say brand new book. It came out about three months by Joshua Cutchin called A Trojan Feast. Let's talk about that possibility in our next segment. Our co-host is Kurt Collins. We've got Nick Redfern. You're in... The Paracast. for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hi, I'm Dr. Sam Nussbaum with the Anthem Foundation. Premature birth is the leading cause of death of babies and disabilities for children. That's why we support the March of Dimes to help mothers have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in supporting cutting-edge research, treatment and outreach to help moms during their pregnancy, and give every baby a healthy start in life. Learn how you can help at marchofdimes.org. Healthy, organic, fresh fish, robust, mouth-watering vegetables, all from your home. It's called aquaponics. This brilliant, self-sustaining protein and veggie system is perfect for year-round growing. Know exactly where your food is coming from. Aquaponicsource.com is the one-stop shop for all your needs. Fish, fish food, plumbing, full systems, classes, and more. Learn to build your own system. Go to aquaponicsource.com for a free guide to aquaponics. That's aquaponicsource.com.
Paid non-attorney spokesperson Ricky LeBlanc admitted in Mass only. Sokolov Law LLC, Chestnut Hill, Mass. Ken Levan, responsible attorney in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Greg Hobby, New Jersey. The choice of lawyer is an important decision that should not be based solely upon advertisements. While this firm maintains joint responsibility, most cases of this type are referred to other attorneys for principal responsibility. If you know what mesothelioma is, you or someone you love has likely been impacted by this devastating cancer. You may be entitled to compensation. Call Sokolov Law today. 1-800-218-HELP. The only known cause of mesothelioma is asbestos exposure. Thousands of hardworking men and women, including many U.S. veterans and industrial workers, have been diagnosed with mesothelioma because manufacturers knew the dangers but put profits ahead of people. An estimated $30 billion in court-ordered trust has been set aside to pay money to asbestos victims. If you or a loved one has been diagnosed with mesothelioma, call now. You may be entitled to receive compensation without ever going to court or filing a lawsuit. Call for a free legal consultation at 1-800-218-HELP. That's 1-800-218-HELP. My name is Dell, and I live in El Cajon, California. I was concerned about my cholesterol readings because I knew that high cholesterol is related to clogging of the arteries and increases the risk for heart attack and stroke. One day, I heard an ad for heart and body extract, and I was skeptical, but I decided to give it a try. Man, the numbers don't lie. Learn the secrets of an effective, natural, 100% organic nutritional supplement for a healthy heart and circulation at hbextract.com. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Block it pockets wide wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockItPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockItPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockItPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Nick Redfern's here with Kurt Collins, our guest co-host. Chris O'Brien is on special assignment. And it looks like Nick has written four books that have been released in weeks of each other. Now, I want to ask you about that because we mentioned the titles previously. We're talking about one of them, Bloodline of the Gods. But how do you get four books coming out within just weeks of each other? Is this because you have scattered production schedules? Yeah, that's exactly what it is, because um, I'm actually with four different publishers. And for the most part, 
you know, one might put a book out in January, somebody else puts one out in May, somebody else in October, then somebody else the next January. But I guess it's kind of inevitable because, I mean, they obviously don't consult with each other and say, hey, you know, when are you putting Nick's book out and we'll leave it three months? I mean, that would be stupid, you know. That's unheard of, I think. So in other words, it's inevitable that at some point, I mean, in the past, you know, there's been a couple of times where two books came out together, but inevitably, I guess, the time's going to happen when they all put one out pretty much at the same time. And so this one, Bloodline of the Gods, is published by New Page Books. The Men in Black book is published by my agent's company, Lisa Hagen Books. The other one, Chupacabra Road Trip, that's published by Llewellyn, and the Bigfoot book is Visible Ink Press. But they weren't all written. You know, I wasn't kind of like typing left-handed on the one book and right-handed with the other. I was it thinking was, I had four computers, and what you do is you write a page here, then you go to the next computer and write another page. I mean, I'll give you an example. Say, uh, like Llewellyn, who put out the Chupacabra Road Trip, they, for example, had the book off me in like November of last year, but decided it to publish it this September. So that was like um, a space of 10 months. Now, the Men in Black book that Lisa's published, I only finished writing that like two weeks, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, something like that. And they really got it out fast. You know, so in other words, the, the Chubacabra book, the writing was finished close to a year ago. And yet the Men in Black book, the writing was only finished about a month ago. You know, it, it looks like I'm doing all the books together, but that's actually not the case. A lot of it is down to the sometimes very quick process publishers get them out versus sometimes the quite long process, you know, when the, author, when the uh, publisher gets them out. I was thinking here you wanted to hurry up and become Brad Steiger. Oh, no, there's no chance of me ever catching up with Brad. Brad's actually coming close to almost 200 now. I think he's about 185. Oh, boy, um, I thought it was 165. I'm underestimating here. No, it, well, I know it's in the 180s now, for sure. No, there's no chance of me ever doing 180 books. <laughs> well, you better get started. Let's talk about the bloodline of the gods a little bit more here. Now, are you relating it to possible interactions with alien beings in our early history or abductions now? Because I see you are focusing on abductions in some chapters. Yeah, I would say... I think about 40, it's about 260 pages long, I think, the book. I don't have it in front of me, but it's something like that. Well, about 20 pages deal with what Rx negative blood is and some of the issues surrounding it. Then there's about 40 pages on the distant past, like the ancient astronaut controversy. And then roughly the remaining 180 or so is abductions, these controversies surrounding hybrids, military abductions, and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Sort of, I guess, 20%, 25% is ancient astronauts. That's pretty much the, the extent of that part of it. Well, let's look at the ancient astronauts, because so much mm. has been made of that. And I don't know if you're familiar with this gentleman. Ever hear of Yona Fortner? Uh, who, sorry? Yona Fortner, F-O-R-T-N-E-R. No. Okay. No. He was an early writer for Jim Mosley's Saucer News. Okay. And he wrote a series of articles under the collective title of extraterrestrialism as an historical chronicle or something like that. I'm paraphrasing the title. And he was saying basically that the God of the Old Testament was E.T. Mm -hmm. Now, are you suggesting that, that maybe the beings that we took to be gods or God were in fact visitors from other worlds? 
Well, no, I'm, I'm not suggesting it. What I suggest, what I do in the book is demonstrate why researchers in the research community, like Zachariah Sitchin, for example, why they came to that conclusion. And, um, and to demonstrate, you know, how their views have um, modelled and shaped, if you like, the, the scenario of genetic manipulation in the distant past. Um, you know, and I point out some of the things that they've relied on. For example, um, the whole issue of things like um, Adam's rib, you know, being used to create Eve. And if you look at the biblical translation, it actually says that Adam was placed into like a great sleep. And, you know, his, his rib was used and to create Eve. Well, you know, great sleep, you can interpret that as somebody being anesthetized, you know. And the rib, um, you know, DNA extraction, genetic materials, that kind of thing. So I point out that it's things like this that led to sort of the formulation of these theories of genetic manipulation in the distant past. But as I also point out, and it's important to remember this, that we're talking about ancient texts, you know, whether it's biblical texts or we're talking about things like the Anunnaki, which, you know, are very dominant in the, you know, the ancient Babylonia, the Assyrians, people like that. These are texts which have been uh, translated, retranslated, and more, in more importantly, interpreted and reinterpreted. So in other words, that's why, I guess, things like this polarize people into different camps. The people who take an ET stance, the people who take, um, you know, a literal deity-based approach, and others who look at the idea of ancient human civilizations that might have wiped themselves out, you know. And, uh, and that's one of the big issues, you know, obviously, is the, like I said, is the interpretation of, you know, one man's, extraterrestrial in the distant past is one man another man's god in the distant past it's uh that's the problem we face you know there's no way we can really ever prove anything that occurred ten, you know really eight thousand nine thousand years ago in terms of supernatural visitations never mind even further back you know in crow magnon times or whatever we can't even agree on what happened yesterday no and that's you know that's that's one of the issues that why I always try and write the books that I do in that way, because again, if we're honest with each other, you know, it's, it's, we can have belief systems, we can have ideas and we can bolster those ideas with data and sources and witness interviews. But at the end of the day, it still doesn't prove anything, you know, and that's, that's always been the problem within ufology. And it's the same problem in people who go ghost hunting or, hunt for Bigfoot or whatever. You know, you can make a case that Bigfoot was, was this gigantic extinct ape known as Gigantopithecus. Um, some people have said it's that. Maybe it is. But the problem is it's a theory to explain an enigma, you know, and um, that's what we're always constantly trying to do, solve an enigma by coming up with a theory and data. But, again, it never actually, never really ever uh, proves anything unless... It proves it's, you know, it's a hoax or a misidentification, you know. Very often people will look at a, a photograph of a UFO and that'll be resolved because you can see the, the wire holding it up or whatever. But when it seems to be anomalous, we never get the answer, you know. It's always as if the phenomenon's almost toying with us, if you like. Well, when we look at ancient astronauts, we see these artifacts that appear to look like a flying craft mm -hmm. or maybe a being wearing a spacesuit. Yeah. And this is 
a common chord used to possibly demonstrate that we were visited by advanced beings long ago. But even if we were, it doesn't mean that our genetic material is something that was combined. Now, of course, we can always take the Battlestar Galactica theory, where the revised Battlestar Galactica TV series that was created by Ronald Moore and other people, that in the last episode, they land on Earth 150,000 years ago, and and we assume then that they maybe cohabit with the locals. You know, the gods, of course, cohabiting with the daughters of men, and they create a hybrid race. And we, of course, are that hybrid race. Before we get into more of this stuff, we have Nick Redfern. Our guest co-host is Kurt Collins. You're in... The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Conspiracy Journal is your number one source for the hidden world of the weird and strange. We bring you thought-provoking and controversial material for free-thinking individuals who are seeking what is really going on in our world today. Some of this material may adversely affect you. Other pieces are meant to enlighten. Either way, be prepared to be intrigued by such things as the reality of UFOs, ghosts, strange creatures from time and space, hidden conspiracies, time travel, Nikola Tesla, suppressed technology, and a whole lot more. You can find out more by visiting our website at conspiracyjournal.com. There you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter sent directly to your email address. Find out what they don't want you to know. Okay, open your mouth and say, ah. Ah. When your child has a sore throat, you need to know when to get help. The doctor recommended Say Ah Sore Throat Exam is your solution. The scientifically designed oral retractor offers a clear view of the throat, relaxing the tongue and minimizing gag reflex. Compare with a medical grade chart, website, and app. Then you'll know just what to tell your doctor. A wellness plan in your hands in minutes. Go to sayahahnow.com. Sayahnow.com, the new mainstay for every family's first aid kit. We use mobile devices right against our bodies every day. But growing scientific evidence has emerged showing serious health risks associated with exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The solution is Defender Shield, the most effective mobile radiation shielding ever developed. Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation from cell phones, tablets, and laptops and starts at just $64.99. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. For 10% off, use promo code GCN. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in mobile radiation shielding. Are your Google search results killing you? Unflattering content in blogs, news articles, online reviews, social media, or other sources can jeopardize your reputation, your business, and your livelihood. Let Reputation.com help. Our patented technology will make the truth about you more visible while pushing down unwanted negative content. Improve your Google search results. Call Reputation.com at 1-800-831-0771 for a free consultation. That's 800-831-0771. 
Did you know that drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health? Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of only the most alkaline minerals. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins, and helps you regain health and energy. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body rid itself of acidic waste, increases oxygen content, and raises the pH of your body to healthy levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. Hey, Berkey Guy here. Are you still drinking unfiltered tap water? Does your water contain chlorine or fluoride? Will you have drinkable water in an emergency? The Berkey Guy is here to help you remove these and other potential contaminants from your water, thus helping you drink clean, purified water. We offer Berkey water purification systems at the lowest available prices online. Don't go another moment without Berkey System. Over the last 10 years, we've helped thousands drink clean, purified water. Join them by visiting GoBerkey.com or call me, the Berkey Guy, at 877-886-3653. That's 877-886-3653. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. We've got lots of questions from listeners, and in a few moments, I'm going to have Kurt Collins, our guest co-host this week, address some of those questions and ask them of Nick Redfern. But right now, we started off, and with Nick having four books out, we can do a whole show on each one. We're starting off on Bloodline of the Gods, because this is a fascinating concept that perhaps in ancient times, maybe we're descended from them, or they created a hybrid race among the locals. Now, here's something that sometimes occurs to me when we go into UFO abductions. I've mentioned this before, and that's a feeling or wondering here whether when we have an abduction experience, are we actually having an experience with something, or maybe it's our racial memory telling us about the genetic experiments that were conducted that created the human race. Isn't that strange? Ever well, hear that theory? You know, well, I have heard that theory in relation to sort of the controver- very controversial is- issue of what are known as like inherited memories. You know, the idea that in the same way that people inherit physical traits from their parents, the color of your eyes, the shape of your nose or whatever, or your lips, um, you know, this controversial theory of inheriting fragments of literal memories, you know, it kind of in a, strange way, sort of ties in with these stories about somebody has an organ transplant, you know, and then they begin to get the craving of the food or whatever of the person whose organ was transplanted into them, as if some essence of the person has, you know, still exists. So therefore, if you get an organ transplant and that person was a murderer, and you're a pretty nice person, watch <laughs> out? Well, you know, I mean, it's a, again, it's a theory, you know, and there are some studies that have been done suggesting it's a reality. But, I mean, I don't think, you know, if somebody has a skin graft or, or whatever or, you know, um, I don't know, a heart transplant, that they're going to suddenly break out a chainsaw and start chopping people's heads off. No, I think that's bizarre and absurd, you know. But there have been studies done that suggest, you know, a few weird things but along those lines, but nowhere <laughs> near as sensational as that. But in, so in saying that, you know, 
that kind of ties in with what you're saying about, you know, fragments of memories from the past. But, I mean, if you look at a lot of abduction stories, and I point this out in the book, um, you know, they, there are clear parallels between today's abduction stories and today's, and also in the distant past, um, stories of, like, incubus and succubus. You know, the idea of some sort of paranormal, somewhat threatening presence in the bedroom, an inability to move, the thing comes closer, there's a sexual component to it all. Um, you know, and you have in the distant past, like I said, Incubus, Succubus, Lilith. Um, you get the same kind of things in fairy and goblin tales from Middle Ages Europe. Then, you know, we have abductions today, and um, and you still have, you know, things like the Incubus, like, for example, in Newfoundland, you know, you have the old hag. Um and so, in many respects, you can look at it from the perspective, is it something that actually isn't occurring physically? You know, is it occurring in the mind? Now, you know, this, I'm not taking a skeptical approach. A lot of these skeptics say, well, it's in the mind, in the sense it's a product of the mind. I actually wonder if there's some sort of paranormal phenomena that can actually invade the dream state and intrude upon our dream state, which is highly controversial, you know, but I don't care. You know, I believe, I, I accept and happy to admit, I believe and accept some freaky stuff, you know. <laughs> and uh, and I, I sometimes wonder on that if, um, you know, a lot of UFO experiences, because the craft are very often, okay, there might be archetypal, source of shapes or whatever, but pretty much they're always slightly different. The beings are always slightly different, you know. I mean, I can understand the idea of maybe three or four races visiting us. But when you get so many different types, and even with the grey ones or whatever, you know, there are slight differences. That makes me wonder if the phenomena is sort of manifesting for each person in a unique way. And maybe we've never actually seen the real UFO phenomenon in its pure, literal form. Maybe it sort of uh, reacts and manifests according to our subconscious, our beliefs, our pop culture, all mixed into one, you know. I want to talk some more about the, the paranormal aspect, but before we leave the, the blood of the gods uh, topic, there were there are a few questions from listeners that are related to this, and, and some of them, you know, they haven't read the book yet, so this may not be a, a complete match, but they wanted to know, Gogs wanted to know, do you think the biblical stories dealing uh, detailing characters that lived very long lives compared to us could have any validity to them, and, you know, could this relate to the, the blood? Well, you know, I mean, again, that's actually something I do talk about in the book. But again, I sort of point out, you know, are we looking at literal sort of super length, you know, lifespans, which supposedly, again, according to the interpretations that the Anunnaki had, you know, whatever the Anunnaki may be, you know, you do have these stories. And then you have stories in the, you know, the Bible, like Methuselah and Noah living extensive lifespans, things like this. Now, of course, again, it's a matter of being open to interpretation. I mean, were the translations correct in terms of, you know, figuring out the lifespans? Were they created to give more of an air of mystery and power to these individuals like Noah? Or was it the literal truth? You know, all we can say for sure is that, you know, researchers have made a case that, they did live that long because they take the view that, you know, they're sort of, um, you know, the offspring of the, of the gods, so to speak, which gets into things like the Nephilim, you know, and um, 
hybrids and you know the the gods coming down and taking the daughters of men that kind of thing um so you can make that case but equally you can make a case that somebody really wanted to you know sort of make Noah and Methuselah look really powerful and strong and you know everlasting um and again you know that's truly not me fence it you know i have to present you know both sides because we have no way of proving it well that's yeah and but you know definitely there's a lot of thought that by various researchers that that have tried to use the bible as source material and and, and married to the the ufo phenomenon so you can do that but i think you should only do it if you admit that if you're going to take it literally then you're doing it on belief if you want to interpret it and show people how and why you interpreted it and demonstrate your theories that you feel back it up, that's fine. But when people just literally say, you know, for example, water was turned into wine or two of every single animal on the entire planet was loaded aboard an, aboard an ark, which is ridiculous. The thing would sink in two seconds flat. And how do you even get a female and a male uh, fully grown lion onto an ark? Good luck doing that. You know, the thing you wouldn't even get it two feet on the on the on the ship before your arm was torn off. So you know, that's the problem. You you can interpret this stuff literally, but if you do, you're doing a disservice to yourself and the readers. You know. There are a few other questions. Now, this one I don't think you you covered. This is more on DNA. They're asking. This is a the bitter one. He wants to know if you're familiar with the story of, of Peter Corey, uh, the hair of the alien case that uh, Bill Chalker wrote about. Do you know that one? Yeah, I don't mention that in the book, but I do I do know the case. Uh, it was actually published by, if I remember correctly, Paraview Pocket Books about 10 years ago. And Bill Chalker wrote this book. It was to do with an abduction story where reportedly a hair was found after an abduction experience. And if I remember correctly, the analysis, I may be wrong, so, but I'm pretty sure the analysis was something along the lines of that there was like a like a Gaelic connection or something like that to it. Uh, That's right. Uh, the the quote I had in the question yeah. it, it said that it showed a combination of two separate types of mitochondrial DNA. You know, so it was a, it was um, very unusual. Yeah, yeah. I knew there was something about the DNA, and and it was the, basically the thrust of the the book was you know sort of forensic analysis finally of something in relation to an abduction case. And I did read it, but I've got to be honest, you know, I read it sort of 10 years ago. In fact, I know for a fact that in my bookcase somewhere, I've got like a original proof of it that the publisher sent me to it, like an advanced review thing. And I know it was, it was, you know, it must have been a decade ago or maybe a little bit more, I think. But I mean, it was like, it was an interesting book. It was unique and, um, you know, it took a sort of refreshing approach to the whole abduction phenomenon rather than just pursuing a story and relating it, you know, actually seeing if there's something that could be forensically studied or not. Yeah, that's quite quite rare. Yeah. Uh, and the last, uh, let's see, I think we may have a two-part question here. This one's from Wade. Uh, he wants to know, do you think uh, the bloodline has anything to do with the observation made in the past by Keel, how certain ethnicities, such as the Irish and Native Americans, have stronger connections to paranormal phenomenon? And the second part of that was, what do you feel about the dilution of those bloodlines? And you know, does that just leave them out of luck or out of the privileged? We'll have... The answer from Nick to Wade's question on our next segment. Our co-host, 
is Kurt Collins. We have Nick Redfern, author of 32 books and counting. You're in the Paracast. listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack, attack of the Rockoids. Rock- the former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. My name is Bill Bonner, and I'm the president of the largest private news and research network in the world. And I paid for this airtime because I have an important message to the American people. There's a change coming that the government isn't telling you about. This change has deep implications for life in America. From where you shop, to the doctors you visit, and the family you want to protect. Look, I've made predictions like this before. Thing is, I was right then, too. A few years ago, I warned that housing prices would collapse. They did. Before that, I warned that dot-com companies would crash. They did. Those who listened had a chance to save themselves. But this has nothing to do with the stock market. This will affect us all. You can watch the video for free right now by going to disappearingdollar.com. Again, that's disappearingdollar.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Nick Redfern has four books out. We're not going to get to all four, sorry, folks, but we'll cover right now Bloodline of the Gods, and we'll try to get maybe to the Men in Black book. Let's see if we have time. We have a question from one of our regular posters, Wade, on the table from the previous segment. Nick, your response? Yeah, I mean, to deal with the second part first, I mean, this is an area that I steered away from in the book, but other researchers haven't. And, you know, there have been some writings on this whole RH negative angle where the, you know, the writers have got, you know, there's almost like an undercurrent of racism involved. Um, You know, the idea that these are the elite um, and, you know, people of this bloodline are somehow superior over, you know, other other, uh, ethnic groups, etc. And that's sort of a, a dangerous angle to go down it's like a disrespectful angle and um you know there's, there's no reason to believe that that has even any merit you know i i point out in the book and this is an important issue is that regardless of what 
um, people think about the RH negative angle in relation to UFOs, the fact is that you find you, it's not like you find RH negatives just in, you know, Caucasians or anything like that. You know, you find them, you know, in Caucasians, in African Americans, in Asian Americans, all across the board. You find RH negatives. Now, the percentages are very small in each of those groups and there's one group of people where it's significantly higher the basque people of spain and that's something i talk about in the book but you know to sort of i think to sort of suggest um not the way to do it but i mean you know he's asking the question um you know this issue of different groups and elites that kind of thing you know i, I don't see any merit in the idea that you know this somehow implies that one group of people are superior over the other. I don't, I don't see any evidence of that at all because, as I said, it is spread far and wide across, you know, all the various um, ethnic groups, etc. Well, I just picked up a stat online. It says 15% of the white population are RH negative, mm-hmm. 7% of the African-American population. Yeah. Now, I don't know about the rest of it. Well, Asian-American is only roughly around about 1% to 2%. That's very low. But the important thing is, it's not like, as some people try to imply, something that is integral to one group of people, and that's it, you know, and then the implications that go along with that. That's not the case at all. It's, it's across the board. Just to let you know, folks, I did write an email to Geneva asking her to illuminate us on this RH negative factor, how it has affected her personality, other then there's a genetic thing that if you, we almost had a child, uh, it was a stillborn, but apparently if someone who was RH positive like me and a person who is RH negative have a child after that, they have to take some kind of medication yeah. or something. Yeah, that's true. Um, what happens is that um, when a woman becomes pregnant, um, Obviously, that you know the the growing fetus uh, is nourished by the mother, but a lot of people don't realise that the two the bloodstreams of the two actually don't cross, um, and you know very often in an Rh negative Rh positive situation there aren't always problems. But if they, for example, you know a woman has to go through this process which is called amniocentesis, you know sometimes it may be necessary to extract you know blood from the fetus if there are any issues or concerns, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If during that process, you know, which involves, in simple terms, it's like the insertion of a needle. If during that process, some of the growing baby's blood crosses with the mother's blood, the mother's immune system essentially views the unborn fetus as, no pun intended, as alien and tries to kill the fetus. That's why drugs have to be taken, medication taken to combat this particular issue from occurring and the you know the the symptoms range from the worst case scenario obviously death to things like acute anemia which you know anemia in a person if you've got like a i know like an anorexic teenage girl or something she can become an anemic but you know if she recovers and eats well again the anemia eventually with help and treatment as well will go away but if an unborn fetus develops anemia in the womb, you know, it can cause lasting effects when the baby's born, you know, that, that it cannot recover from because it didn't develop right in the first place. So, yeah, there's a lot of issues to be wary of when it comes to RH negative slash RH positive pregnancies. But the good thing is, you know, today the technology and the medications do exist to combat this. That's why 
in today's world, you know, a, a mother is always carefully tested for blood group type, etc. And um, and as is, you know, and, and to check it against the father as well. There you go. So the thing I wonder about here with all these theories, hybrid aliens, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. as you pretty much explain, it's hard enough to prove what happened yesterday. We're not going to prove ever unless there's some kind of smoking gun somewhere what happened 3,000 or 5,000 or 10,000 years ago. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. No, we're not. All we can do, we can do our best to try and understand it, interpret the old texts and things like that. And, and you're right. The only way that it could happen that we might have the answer would be through some massively alternative explanation that was totally unforeseen. I mean, I guess... You know, the, the, the closest equation I can think of, it's very different, but it, it kind of makes the point. You know, you, you, we hear all these stories for years about government agencies watching people, etc., and monitoring them and things like this. And then suddenly out of the blue, we get this guy, Edward Snowden, who blows the whistle on this gigantic program, which involves the, you know, the social media and phone record collection of every citizen of the United States of America. Now, that was sort of totally left of field. You know, yes, there were rumors, there were stories, but he came out of nowhere and blew the whole whistle on this entire thing. And, you know, the country was stunned, but really didn't stand up and say anything about it, you know, and just said, okay, that's how it is. So in other words, I think things like that could potentially happen with the UFO subject. Obviously, it's dictated by whether or not something's actually been hidden. And I think something is. But the big question is, what is it? And I think, you know, even though I have doubts about what happened at Roswell, you know, being extraterrestrial, I do think something significant and weird happened. Now, clearly, with something like Roswell, freedom of information hasn't um, penetrated anything. You know, the Air Force told us it was a mogul balloon. And for the record, as a lot of people know, I don't believe the Air Force was lying. I think they went looking and found nothing and felt they, the, the responsibility was still on their part to try and come up with an explanation. Um, but, you know, we could have a totally unforeseen situation occur where the, the truth comes tumbling out about Roswell. And I would sort of apply that in a, a skewed way, if you like, to the ancient astronaut angle that maybe one day the whole thing would be exposed overnight because of something so alternative you know, interpreting texts and um, reinterpret them and trying to understand them, trying to find corroborative data is good, but it hasn't taken us back beyond the theoretical stages yet. Maybe something could, maybe something never will, but, you know, we're, we're still at that stage of, of uh, you know, just looking for answers rather than actually having them. Well, we also have a situation here where ancient texts, the versions we see today, are the result of politics where... A group of yep. people get together and they decide we're going to have this and we're going to change that phrase because mm-hmm. that's not really going to work for us. And that's how we do it. Unfortunately, now it looks like they're trying to do that with history. So, for example, this happens in your state, Texas, where the school officials are busy manipulating what they want in textbooks. And because the state of Texas is so large, textbook publishers will tend to take those books and send them nationwide. So suddenly you have people, students, learning an alternate version of history, which is not good. Nick Redfern's book, 
It's called Bloodline of the Gods, and a little bit later we'll be talking about his latest book on the three men in black called Men in Black, Personal Stories and Eerie Adventures. This is an eerie show. We have Kurt Collins as our co-host. You're in the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Many are in disbelief today after word of shocking allegations against a Minnesota-based talk syndication company known as GCN. It's claimed that they're the fourth largest talk syndication company in the U.S., making it even more scandalous that they've been accused of helping business owners expose themselves on a massive scale. Let's go live to Tom for more on this story. It's being called the greatest exposure of our lifetime, while other business owners are beginning to step forward claiming they, too, exposed themselves. With the help of GCN. It's true. They're all guilty. Every last one of them. GCN helped me get the exposure my company needed. And just think, that was years ago. Today, GCN has like 700 affiliate stations and over 6 million downloads from iTunes and their website every month. Imagine the exposure your company can get. Expose your business to the masses. Email advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. GCN. Okay, open your mouth and say, ah. Ah. When your child has a sore throat, you need to know when to get help. The doctor recommended Say Ah Sore Throat Exam is your solution. The scientifically designed oral retractor offers a clear view of the throat, relaxing the tongue and minimizing gag reflex. Compare with a medical grade chart, website, and app. Then you'll know just what to tell your doctor. A wellness plan in your hands in minutes. Go to sayahnow.com. Sayahnow.com, the new mainstay for every family's first aid kit. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. People seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more. And this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. ParanormalDate.com and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. 
Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We have Nick Redfern, and he has written four books. We'll try to get to the one on the Men in Black, the new stories about Men in Black. Maybe we'll get to the others a little bit later, but I think we might have to do a separate episode. Kurt Collins is our guest co-host. Chris O'Brien is on special assignment. Now, when I brought up the, shall we say, the efforts to make ancient texts politically correct, you had an observation to make, Nick Redfern. Well, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you do find that, you know, all of history. And um, and unfortunately, that that's how it's always been, and it probably will be. The The trick, I guess, is to let people know when that's occurring. When you start going down that path of censoring history and changing history, then things become extremely dangerous. You know, that's, a, that's equally as dangerous as the other trend that's going on, the whole issue of, of dumbing down society, you know, not so much lying to them uh, or changing things. You know, more this is more like a brave new world situation, like Aldous Huxley, where people aren't denied data or books. They just don't care about books, you know, or history. They, they just don't care. It's not like Orwell's 1984, where it's oppressive and, you know, this is banned and that's banned. You know, brave new world is more along the lines of people just don't care. You know, they couldn't care less. And um, and so, you know, the danger is, I think, I see sort of bits of that across the board in, you know, the world today. You know, people say the world's going to hell. But then if you look at, for example, the number of people who actually bother to get out and vote, it's actually, you know, if you look at people who don't vote, it's an incredible percentage. Well, you know, you can't complain about the state of the world if you're not willing to do something about it by you know, exercising your right to vote. But if, you know, but people just don't bother. And I mean, it's kind of like the, the Snowden thing, you know. I mean, you look at the, um, the, uh, the, the uprising, if you like, or demonstrations surrounding things like the Vietnam War. You know, the, the whole thing with the NSA revelations was that every single U.S. citizen, their entire social media data is being collected. And, and what happened? You know, it's like locust chirping. That's what happened. I have a, a little bit of a theory about that, and that's, that's partly the world that we live in. And we are so conditioned to ignore, and we have to just drive down the street. You, If you paid attention to every advertisement, you'd crash your car. And we're, we're constantly barraged by insignificant information and advertisements, and, and people – in learning how to tune that out, I think they've learned they've they've shut a lot of important things out, and the news is just noise to them. They're missing it. Yeah, well, that's actually a good point. I never thought about that one, but now that that is a good point. You know, people just 
shutting things out. But, you know, and it comes down to, you know, people, if people don't look into things and don't care about what's going on in the world, then it's almost like it's not, you know, a 1984 censorship. It's almost like self-censorship. It may not be deemed, being done deliberately or consciously, but it it still comes down to self-censorship. And, um, you know, and I think the other disturbing thing is a lot of the major news outlets, you know, rather than reporting the news, they report it according to what political bias they are. You know, um, the news really should be about reporting the news, not putting one party's spin on the news. You know, the news should be independent, um, but it's not. But the problem here with the news is you see it one time, and this goes back to the days I was a broadcast newsman. The news was a public service. You weren't meant to make a profit from it, especially here in the U.S. You broadcast news as part of your license requirements, and you had to present information fairly, cover all sides of an issue, that sort of thing. And then, and this happened really in the 1980s and beyond, where there was less control by the FCC over the licensing requirements, and the news departments were becoming profit centers. The entertainment divisions realized, well, we can make money from news. A lot of ratings, we sell ads, and that has, even if it's not a conscious influence, certainly a subconscious influence on where the news takes the stories from. And we have, for example, famously, the largest cable news network in the United States, we all know who that is, is owned by the entertainment division of a large corporation. Okay? It's meant mm. to entertain. But that's the real problem here. We don't know what's really going on in the world because we're seeing the news slanted to entertain you, to provoke you, to get you to keep watching so they get ratings and they sell ads. Well, you know, I mean, again, that tells us a lot about the state of the world. But, I mean, things can, you know, things can change radically, you know, over time. I mean, who would have thought 30 years ago that, you know, today's kids wouldn't be outside playing on the bikes? You know, they're instead they're sitting at home texting, getting fat and diabetic and not leaving the house. You wouldn't believe that because we would look back at history and say, well, kids have always gone out on the bikes and fallen off and graze their knees and build camps and, you know, that kind of thing that we all did as kids. Um, well, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to foresee that happening. So it's not impossible that 20 or 30 years from now, we, think, we assume doom and gloom is going to get worse. Again, something totally unforeseen could happen as weird, not, not like the internet, which changed, you know, the planet, but something unforeseen that also radically alters society, but that may, you know, change things from, from how they are right now. The fact that we're so plugged in to the world these days, from our smartphones to our tablets to our computers, even TV and even radio, we're so plugged in here. Does that also make us more vulnerable to influence by people who don't have our best interests at heart? I mean, if kids can go outside and play, that's one thing. It's an individual activity or group activity, but they're plugged into the entire world. That enables the possibility of control, mass control. Well, yeah, it does. I mean, you know, I mean, 
a few years ago, um, everybody, well, not everybody, obviously, uh, but, if, you know, you had this subculture in the conspiracy research field that, oh, you know, there's going to be some big emergency and the government's going to say we've all got to have implants, you know, tracking devices, that kind of thing. And everybody was in an uproar, but everybody has been implanted with tracking devices. They're called iPhones, you know, but nobody creates an uproar that everywhere they go, every single movement can be monitored. Every social activity online can be monitored. That's basically the same as having the chip in your arm that everybody was getting up in arms about in the conspiracy uh, realm. But, you know, they're not saying that about the iPhone. But here's the, here's the worrying thing. They are willingly and knowingly carrying the iPhone around and upgrading it when the new one comes out. Um, so, in other words, you know, you have, the, you have this sort of clash of scenarios where somebody's uproar, in uproar about one thing and then doesn't even bring the other one up. But it's basically the same scenario, which does provoke, you know, the whole issue of control and, and manipulation, that the more cool stuff that goes online, the more people get attracted to it and the more time they spend doing it. We have Nick Redfern. Kurt Collins is our guest co-host. You're in... The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hi, I'm Rick Osick with Famous Footwear. Did you know that premature birth is the number one killer of babies? That's why we support the March of Dimes in the fight against premature birth. Join us in supporting cutting-edge research, treatment programs, and outreach to help moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Learn how you can help save babies' lives at marchofdimes.org. Healthy, organic, fresh fish, robust, mouth-watering vegetables, all from your home. It's called aquaponics. This brilliant, self-sustaining protein and veggie system is perfect for year-round growing. Know exactly where your food is coming from. Aquaponicsource.com is the one-stop shop for all your needs. Fish, fish food, plumbing, full systems, classes, and more. Learn to build your own system. Go to aquaponicsource.com for a free guide to aquaponics. That's aquaponicsource.com. Hi, this is Walt Augustinowitz. I'm the founder and CEO of ID Stronghold. By now you've heard our commercials about wallets that protect you from electronic pickpocketing. Ten years ago, I created a way to protect my own cards from prying eyes after government officials started talking about issuing a national ID card with a built-in radio chip called RFID. I felt having to broadcast my personal information was an invasion of privacy. Soon after, it was also announced that credit cards, debit cards, U.S. passports, hotel room keys, and even transit passes would all soon incorporate RFID. It was then I formed ID Stronghold to share my inventions in blocking RFID signals with the world. There are a lot of misconceptions out there today about RFID. I encourage everyone to get informed and get protected. Please go to IDStronghold.com and get the facts and the wallets, sleeves, or badge holders you need to protect your personal financial data. You'll be pleasantly surprised that through our direct sales model, you won't pay more than other comparable unprotected wallets. It is as though the protection is free. Visit IDStronghold.com today. 
Are your Google search results killing you? Unflattering content in blogs, news articles, online reviews, social media, or other sources can jeopardize your reputation, your business, and your livelihood. Let Reputation.com help. Our patented technology will make the truth about you more visible while pushing down unwanted negative content. Improve your Google search results. Call Reputation.com at 1-800-831-0771 for a free consultation. That's 800-831-0771. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Get on board with the tax admiral. Don't pick on the IRS alone. I'll cut penalties and reduce your overall tax bill. Sometimes I can even get it zeroed out completely. We're an A-rated company helping people clean up their mess with the IRS. If you owe $10,000 or more, then call the tax admiral. Call 800-287-7180. Again, that's 800-287-7180. 800-287-7180. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the podcast, The Gold Standard of Paranormal Radio. Now, in our previous segment, Nick Redfern was talking about the fact that we're all kind of connected. We all have to get the latest iPhone. In fact, we're doing this show on the very weekend that the new iPhones are being sold. But you know what? Let me raise one thing here because I want to move to other topics, Nick Redfern about control. Apple has gone one step further with a product called Apple Watch. It goes on your wrist. It has sensors to pick up your bodily functions. Of course, that's for fitness tracking. Obviously, if you go out for a run or if you're just sitting there and suddenly maybe your pulse is too fast or too slow, it's picking up all that thing. It's giving you signals by the Taptic engine, which, you know, if you press something or do something, you feel a little sensation, like something's mm-hmm. clicking on your wrist, okay? Mm-hmm. Doesn't that really convey the possibility of an amazing amount of control? We're sticking that thing on our wrist. Let's get paranoid. Well, yeah, I mean, it does. And I, I'm quite sure that, you know, in the near future, you know, it, it'll become sort of more fashionable where you'll wear something like that and it'll contain all your passwords or this and that. You know, you just scan your wrist in front of your laptop, that kind of thing, you know. Uh, I'm sure all that's going to happen. And the, the problem is, of course, the more the, the newer generations come along, they'll have known no different. And, you know, it's more easy, I think, to have control over those people. But, I mean, you know, I have to have people say to me that, you know, that's bleak and nobody ever does anything. Everybody sits at home and does this. Well, no, they don't, you know. You just do what I do. You make a conscious decision to enjoy life. 
yeah, I work eight to five in front of a laptop, you know, working as a writer. But nights, you know, unless I'm doing radio, like tonight, I take nights off, take weekends off. You know, for me, after five o'clock on a, you know, an afternoon and or every weekend, it's either taking a girlfriend out to see a band or, you know, I'm big into soccer. I watch a lot of soccer um, or going out to see like a gig or whatever, hanging out with friends and having a good time. You know, I do the things I've always done because for me, you know, sitting at home texting someone, how are you? Well, that, to me, that's not fun. I use a cell phone for work and I go out and have a social life. You know, it's not like we're being banned from leaving the house. It's people's choice not to do this or not to do that because it's easier to sit at home and text, you know. And um, so a lot of it is down to, it's actually down to people's choice. But if your choice is to sit at home texting, well, good luck, you know, I don't care. But it's like, to me, that's not living a life, you know. Well, I know when my son comes to America, he lives in Spain, he comes to America to visit us, it quite often, he arrives on the plane, maybe we'll then go for dinner before mm-hmm. he goes home. And he takes his iPhone out and he's texting. Mm-hmm. All this stuff was considered science fiction a short while ago, and it was supposed yeah. to expand our horizons. And I have people you know, sit alone in rooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, it drives, it drive, well, it would drive me insane if I was in that position. You know, for me, you know, like I said, I'm mean, big into soccer. I go at least, you know, I see at least two soccer games a week on TV. And I probably watch a live soccer game, you know, like in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where there's, like, teams um, probably once every two weeks. You know, for me, that's that's living, you know, sport. That's that's my big thing, soccer. Again, like I said, nobody's forced to do any of this, but um, people do, you know, in the same way that people can take the view that watching everybody's social media is outrageous or they can just sit back and say, oh, well, it's just a state of the world, you know. Um, I've just got to put up with it. People, it's people's choice. Like I said, that's the disturbing thing. There's no jackbooted people banging on the doors in like Spain or France or anywhere telling you to do this or that. People are making their minds up not to let the kids out, you know, and the kids themselves are making the mind up. Hey, Dad, I don't want a bike for Christmas after all. You know, I want something that's going to uh, ensure I stay in the bedroom longer. I want that new iPhone 6S Plus. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, you know, UFO fans are really uh, out of this. I mean, the uh, you can't skywatch indoors. You know, I guess you could set up a camera, but, you know, you're missing it. Uh, I think we need to have uh, some kind of campaign of off-the-grid fun. You know, we'll look at Nick as a model. If soccer's not your thing, you do something else, but just yeah, get out there. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's, uh, and I mean, it's, it's also sort of, you know, ties in with, with health issues as well. I mean, you look at the rise around the world in things like obesity and diabetes in young, you know, in young kids in the last few years. It's grown incredible levels. And, and a lot of that is just due to immobility, you know, lethargic behavior. When I was five, you know, to when when I was at school, you know, I used to play soccer for the school and rugby, and you know, and I still play a bit of soccer now and again now. But um, you know, that's this is one of the downsides as well. Is doing nothing means you start to get sick. <laughs> Let's take a voyage 
The Men in Black, The Galaxy Defenders. This is the second book we'll talk about on the show. And you've got the title here, Men in Black, Personal Stories and Eerie Adventures. So we've been talking about Men in Black since the early 50s when Gray Barker wrote the book. They knew too much about flying saucers, which focused at the beginning on the late Albert Bender, and where he supposedly was confronted by three men in dark suits or black suits when he allegedly found out too much about UFOs. But the question here is, Nick Redfern, was there new and different about Men in Black to report about? Well, there's always plenty to report about. I mean, this book is actually my third book on the Men in Black. The first one was called On the Trail of the Saucer Spies. The second one was The Real Men in Black, and this is just Men in Black. Not to say that these aren't real as well, but <laughs> you've got to come up with a different title uh, for each one. But um, it's, it's probably my favorite thing to write about, you know, and I've done dozens of articles on it as well, and I get tons of reports from people, which, you know, is inevitable if you write on a particular subject. People read about it, they contact you. But, you know, people have this image of the men in black, Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith, and, you know, that's about as far away as you can get from the real men in black stories. I mean, for the most part, they're sort of weird, creepy little skinny guys with pale faces and ill-fitting clothes and, you know, they act in a weird fashion and very, very strange. I mean, I've looked into a lot of these cases and people just say, well, this is just, this is just nonsense, you know, it couldn't be. Um, these people are just making this stuff up. But I really don't think they are. I, I get so many weird cases from just people who really don't have that much interest, but they read something about it and they're like, wow, that's very similar to something that happened to me 25 years ago or whatever, and they contact you, but... I mean, a lot of these Men in Black stories, this is some, something a lot of people don't realize. A lot of the stories I get, it almost sounds like, suspiciously like, the, and intriguingly like, the witness experienced the Men in Black encounter in like an altered state. You know, almost in like a dreamlike state. Not in the sense that they were imagining it or making it up. But, you know, if there was some sort of, almost like a brain glitch, and, and suddenly the Men in Black manifested. I mean, I've got um, a story in the book, for example, um, involving a guy named uh, Peter Beckman. And um, Peter told me this one particular story about how in the late 1960s, he had this experience um, with two men in black, a really creepy, weird experience, while him and a friend were watching Rosemary's Baby. And um, and, and as, he, as I point out in the book, and he openly admitted, you know, at the time, um, during the day, they'd been doing uh, mescaline and pot. And um, when they were watching Rosemary's Baby, and it came to the, um, the, um, the, like the sacrifice section, um, what happened was that they both started to feel weird and saw through the windows this strange old-fashioned black car pull-up and then they had almost like a, a vaguely missing time type of period where these two creepy white-faced MIB came in the house and both of them experienced it. Now, you know, the skeptic would say something along the lines, well, you openly admit you are mescaline. Let's break it right there. We'll get into what might have happened with those people. Nick Redfern talking about men in black. Kurt Collins is our guest co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. 
Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. We use mobile devices right against our bodies every day. But growing scientific evidence has emerged showing serious health risks associated with exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The solution is Defender Shield, the most effective mobile radiation shielding ever developed. Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation from cell phones, tablets, and laptops and starts at just $64.99. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. For 10% off, use promo code GCN. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in mobile radiation shielding. Okay, open your mouth and say, ah. Ah. When your child has a sore throat, you need to know when to get help. The doctor-recommended Say Ah Sore Throat Exam is your solution. The scientifically designed oral retractor offers a clear view of the throat, relaxing the tongue and minimizing gag reflex. Compare with a medical grade chart, website, and app. Then you'll know just what to tell your doctor. A wellness plan in your hands in minutes. Go to sayahhnow.com. Sayahnow.com, the new mainstay for every family's first aid kit. Before using Heart and Body Extract, my energy level was very, very low. I could only walk a few feet and then would have to sit down. I was tired and lethargic. But after taking Heart and Body Extract, my energy level has improved greatly, and I can now walk longer distances without getting tired so fast. Thank you, Heart and Body Extract. Learn the secrets of an effective, natural, 100% organic nutritional supplement for a healthy heart and circulation at hbextract.com. My name is Bill Bonner, and I'm the president of the largest private news and research network in the world. And I paid for this airtime because I have an important message to the American people. There's a change coming that the government isn't telling you about. This change has deep implications for life in America, from where you shop to the doctors you visit and the family you want to protect. Look, I've made predictions like this before. Thing is... I was right then, too. A few years ago, I warned that housing prices would collapse. They did. Before that, I warned that dot-com companies would crash. They did. Those who listened had a chance to save themselves. But this has nothing to do with the stock market. This will affect us all. You can watch the video for free right now by going to disappearingdollar.com. Again, that's disappearingdollar.com. 
Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to produce an endless supply of nano-sized silver solutions right from the convenience of your home. Silver Lungs. With the addition of our unique lung delivery system, respiratory infections are targeted directly, where traditional oral administration simply cannot reach. This pioneering method also preserves the original particle sizes and delivers your silver solution directly into the bloodstream. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. We'd like you to get into Paracast Plus, and the way you find out about it is to go to plus.theparacast.com, plus.theparacast.com. And what we offer is the ad-free version of this show, higher quality audio, and also our exclusive After the Paracast podcast, and it's hard to say five times fast, especially backwards, After the Paracast And to sign up, it's just $5 a month, $50 a year, $175 for five years. But if you join for a year, you get a copy of Secrets of the Mysterious Valley by Chris O'Brien. If you sign up for a year, if you go the whole hog, the full Monty, five years, you get Secrets of the Mysterious Valley. And you also get Stalking the Tricksters by Chris O'Brien. Check it out. Learn how to sign up. Plus.thepowercast.com. Plus.thepowercast.com. Nick Redfern is now talking about some stories from his book, Men in Black, Personal Stories and Eerie Adventures. And this is Eerie. Go on, Nick. Well, yeah, just talking about this guy, Peter Beckman, who's actually um, a bit of a, a celebrity in many respects. He does uh, voiceover work for um, TV and computer games, things like this, like Street Fighter. And um, he wrote a book called Dead Hollywood. And um, he's he had this experience with a, like the men in black in the late sixties after him and a friend had taken mescaline. And, um, while they were watching Rosemary's baby, I actually said the sacrifice section, I meant the black mass track came on when they were listening to the, um, to the soundtrack. And they both experienced these two weird pale face, creepy MIB, and uh, the sort that Keel used to write about in things like the Mothman prophecies. And, um, when you, I get so many stories like this where there's sort of like a shift in the atmosphere and the person's mind doesn't feel quite right. And then they have this odd experience with the MIB. And it's almost as if it occurred in somewhat of like a, you know, if you, the closest parallel I can think of would be in the fictional world. It would be something like the Matrix. You know, you're almost in a reality that isn't quite reality after all. And... um that's why it leads me to believe that, you know, there's, there is a, um, a real MIB phenomenon, but for the most part, it's not, you know, the Tommy Lee Jones, Will Smith secret government group or black budget agency running around threatening people. It's far more weirder and more, in many respects, more subtle and more way out than that. Now, looking over these men in black over the years, a lot of the cases we heard about that became stuff of legend occurred decades ago. So in all the cases that you explored over Men in Black, covering three books now, anything in the last 10 years that you could report that are significant? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, I would say a good 75% of the cases in the book are recent cases. Um, you know, I mean, I've got one... Um, from Gibraltar in Gibraltar in um, excuse me, Cyprus in uh, 2013, 
Um, I've got other cases. The latest one I've got in the book is um, 2014. And and I get a lot of up-to-date stories. It's not as people think just, you know, something from when Bender and Barker around Keel and then just vaguely into the 70s. No, I mean, the reports today are the same. You get the white-faced little guys shuffling around, um, the fedoras, people letting them in late at night and, you know, feeling that they're almost like their willpower is gone when they let them in the in the house, that kind of thing. Because who's going to let three creepy-looking five-foot-tall guys in fedoras in your house at midnight? No one's going to do that, but people say they do. Um, and so, you know, the, the book itself, there's probably about 22 um, case reports, and then there's sort of nine or ten papers from people in ufology like David Weatherly, who talks about parallels between the men in black and this controversial black-eyed children phenomenon, and then somebody else, uh, Jason Offutt, talks about the men in black versus the shadow people. Um, so in other words, this part of it is sort of researchers in the field offering their views on ways to try and explain or rationalize parts of this phenomenon. So basically the original meme of men in black being possible government agents we throw that all out the window. Of course, if we go back to Albert. Well, if we go back to Albert Bender, he wrote a book called "Flying Saucers and the Three Men," where the Men in Black were really ET. Yeah, I mean, well, Bender's story is an interesting one because a lot of people just say, you know, he was like this fantasist. Uh, I don't even know this, but he lived in an attic in this old house in Bridgeport, Connecticut. He actually created an altar to try and, in the attic to try and summon up supernatural entities, which is, you know, probably not a good thing to do. Um, you think? And he, oh, yeah, I, I, I've had a lot of experience in the occult, and I know the backlash that people can have when they dabble into all this stuff. Uh, but that's, you know, that's a, an entirely different show. But um, Bender had, you know, he, he converted this attic into what he called his Chamber of Horrors, and he had paintings all around the walls of demons and gin and all sorts of things. And um, and then, lo and behold, these weird MIB manifested in his room. They were like shadowy, glowing eyes and had this odor of brimstone about them. Um, and, you know, everything started to go wrong in his life. And, um, you know, this is... if. A lot of the story in Flying Sources and the Three Men that he wrote, it comes off like bad sci-fi. But I think there's enough data and something quite subtle to suggest that he did have some bizarre experiences. Now, whether they had an external component, that's the big question. But I think a lot of them happened to him internally, almost in like a visionary state. Um, but again, the big question is how much was the product of his mind? How much was something being projected into his mind, if you like. Um, but it wasn't a case, I don't think, of, you know, people banging on the door and coming in the room. Um, I mean, even Barker himself once said that, you know, he actually wondered if he was in, if he'd been in the room when Bender was having his experiences, if Bender would actually have been sort of laying on the bed, staring at the ceiling, kind of in and out of its state, you know, not lying or fantasizing, but just you know, his brain in just some reworked state, if you like. Well, point here is that the book, Flying Saucers and the Three Men, was published by Gray Barker. Yeah. Gray Barker very likely heavily edited that book, so I don't know how much he altered from the original. Yeah. I will also say that I did see Albert Bender lecture on that story 
from that book. Oh, wow. Well. One of Jim Mosley's meetings in the mid-1960s. And I should point out here is that after the lecture, we all went out to dinner. Bender, myself, Jim Mosley, Jim's ex-wife Sandra was with him. And she prided herself as being kind of an amateur psychologist. Mm -hmm. And her observation is after talking to Bender, not just listening to his lecture, but just talking to him informally in relaxed surroundings over dinner, she thought he had issues, just to point that Mm -hmm. out. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because, I mean, one of the things I did during the research into the first book I did, uh, or excuse me, the second book, The Real Man in Black, was to not just look at Bender's story, but look at him as a person. Now, it's clear from, I mean, I actually got um, like a, a two-inch thick file from a guy who previously in the UFO subject, who sent me all his correspondence. There was like an inch of it was just correspondence with people in the 50s in the UFO field and most of it was related to the men in black and Bender and I actually got photocopies of some of um, Bender's original letters he sent out to people and it's clear you know he was a very solitary character Um, I mean he talks about how he'd sort of fallen in love and met this English woman who he was going to marry and he did marry you know they stayed married had a long happy marriage Um, and what's interesting is up until that point you know he was dominated by all this weird stuff and occult stuff and everything went wrong in his life he meets his girlfriend he gets married they have a normal life all this stuff goes away you know so you can make a case that bender you know an isolated individual with all these you know bizarre beliefs and scenarios and things going on may well have affected his mindset until he came out the other side that's why i always tell people you know it's important to have a normal life away from all this um you know and, and it's weird because sometimes people actually find it strange when they say you know did you see the new episode of ancient aliens last night and i say, i oh, know i didn't well why not well, i was out watching a band oh you're out watching a band on a friday night not watching ancient aliens so, <laughs> well, of course i'm not watching that or watching anger one you know i do enough of that in the day writing books uh, i want to switch off and bender i don't think had an outlet to switch off. He's by his own admission, you know, he did all his UFO stuff in the day. He lived in this attic with his supernatural altar at night. And at the weekends, his, his only form of entertainment was going to the cinema and watching things like Invasion of the Body Snatchers and This Island Earth and whatever, you know. It was, um, you, you can't live like that and have a sane life, you know. I'll tell you. Okay. That's Albert K. Bender. We've got more to talk about with regard to Men in Black with Nick Redfern, who's written a new book on Men in Black. Kurt Collins is our guest co-host. With Gene and with Kurt, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. 
the site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich? Working harder than ever, but getting nowhere? Do you hate spending hundreds of dollars every week on daycare? Having someone else raise your children? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. At Be The Boss Network, you'll find hundreds of work-from-home opportunities that you can literally start today and be earning money as soon as next week. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss. Get out of the rat race. Work from home. Go to freedom106.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number 106.com. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to freedom106.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Now, ahead of the time that we did this show, we asked our listeners to participate in our question bank in our forums at forum.theparacast.com. They've asked a number of fascinating questions, some we've already mentioned particularly in the first part of the show where we were talking about the bloodline of the gods. But Kurt Collins tells me there's a whole bunch of questions about men in black of Nick Redfern. So, Kurt, why don't you bring some to our attention? Well, Nick's kind of thrown a curve by, by talking about the origin of the men in black because a couple of these were about if they were humans. So we're going to leave that behind. But this one is from Burnt State, and he asks, the men in black are oddball characters in out-of-time clothing, strange mannerisms, black cars, etc., like they're trapped in a 50s gangster movie. And he says, are they trying to fit in but uh, failing miserably? Is this intentional, or did they not get the fashion update? You know, what, what about the appearance they've chosen? Yeah, well, that's an interesting thing. And I mean, uh, you'd imagine if somebody wants to silence people on the UFO issue, they would go out of their way not to look conspicuous. They were, <laughs> that was the last, you know, the last thing they would want to be. But they do go out of their way to look memorable, chilling and weird. You know, you can look at it from different perspectives. Maybe they do that because that whole imagery of like the black suit, the fedora, you know, the whole gangster look, the, like, you know, the, the whole sort of film noir look, you know, from 50s gangster movies and shadowy streets and that kind of thing. It, it obviously leaves an impression. It's like almost like an iconic image that, you, know, you know, you can kind of find going back to like Humphrey Bogart movies and things like that. And I think it works in the sense that it, it you know, works better than just somebody turning up in a suit or jeans and a T-shirt. So I think it, part of it is done for effect. But in saying that, if we're looking at something where, as I said, in some of these cases, there clearly seems to be a psychological angle, not where I think people are, you know, crazy nuts or fabricating it, but where there's some 
almost like an altered state situation going on. It's almost as if, like I mentioned earlier on, perhaps this phenomena, whatever the UFO phenomenon is, the genuinely unexplained part of it, maybe it manifests in certain specific archetypes. And perhaps one of those is this sort of shadowy, weird, fedora-wearing entity. I mean, you can find very similar things to the Men in Black. I mean, one of them is a more like a ghostly phenomenon called the Hat Man. Um, you know, books have been written about this, and they look like the Men in Black, but they're sort of like these so-called shadow people that people talk about, like a silhouette of a man in black but wearing a fedora. You know, you can find a lot of parallels and overtones. So I think, to sort of come back to the question, I don't think they're not deliberately unable to blend in. I think it's the nature of the phenomenon that that's how it manifests regardless. You know, it has no reason or rhyme when it comes to time frames, fashions or anything else. That is what it is. But the big question is, what is it? Is it internal? Is it external? If it's internal, why, do everybody, why does everybody sort of report this same archetypal imagery? If it's external, you know, why did it pick up on that? You know, maybe it picked up on the subconscious angle of the more we believe in the men in black, you know, the more that it manifests in that fashion. Maybe that explains why, you know, the UFO phenomenon changes so much, where, or, but we still have specific archetypes like... You know, we had the Phantom Airships, then we had the Foo Fighters, the Ghost Rockets, Flying Saucers, then Flying Triangles. And with the Entities, we had the Space Brothers, then we had the Hairy Dwarfs, then we had the Greys, then the Reptilians. You know, people sometimes say to me, well, who are skeptical, they say, well, you know, these, these certain forms, they're changing all the time, so it's got to be just people's imagination. What if it isn't? What if it's the phenomena changing or creating certain rigid archetypes? Uh, as our views change, and maybe the men in black are one of them, you know, so they're permanently in that mode of the old-style clothing and fedora when they appear or materialize, however you want to word it. Are we somehow bringing the men in black to us as opposed to being confronted by them? Well, that's actually a good point, the idea that, you know, we see something, and then as a result, you know, perhaps we put the thought out. Sometimes people think, oh, what's Am I going to get visited by the government? You know, that kind of thing. I don't think that happens a lot. However, I do think there's no doubt that, in my view, the vast majority of men in black cases aren't based around threatening the person for the sake of threatening them. It's almost like a, a stage play is being played out for the benefit of the person. It's like the men in black are actors and almost as if they're not really self-aware. You know, it's like they're players in a, like a, a computer game or something where they're inserted into the game, they become part of the game, but they're not actually living, self-aware entities. And you could find that in so many Men in Black stories where time and again you see clearly that the experience is not based around somebody knocking on the door and coming around to threaten the person. The threat is part of it, but it's like a charade. It's like the whole thing is played out for the, not on the benefit of the Men in Black to achieve an aim of silence them. It's being done for the benefit of the witness, for reasons we don't really understand. It is like a big stage play going on. Uh, we had a question from, from Spectre 73, and uh, he wanted to know if cultural specifics influence accounts of men in black from state to state or country to country, and are the reports of the phenomena for countries such as India, Africa, or China? Well, that's a good question. Um, in terms of the first part, what I've found is that there are certain interesting issues that 
you know, culturally are different. For example, in the US, you know, the men in black typically are seen in these old-style Cadillac cars, you know, sort of these cool-looking ones with the sharp thin tails and things like that. So you have those. Now, I've got some cases, and this gets into really bizarre territory, where people have said they've seen these cars and they've sort of, like, faded away in the street, you know, as if that was part of a vision. Now, in England, the men in black, a lot of them are very similar. They're sort of creepy, weird, and they ask strange questions, and they, you know, they dress odd, and they look odd. But they, in England, they drive black Jaguar cars. You know, you don't see Cadillacs in the UK, which is understandable, but, you know, so you do have sort of uh, geographical differences. Now, in terms of location, in term, in, in, I mean, in relation to the physical appearance of the men in black, there actually really aren't that many differences. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. In 2005, I went to uh, Puerto Rico on one of my many expeditions looking for the Chupacabra. And this is actually an expedition I went on with Paul Kimball's um, Red Star Films Company of Canada. Paul was making a, a, a documentary for Canada Space Channel on animal mutilations, and Paul wanted to film a section on the Chupacabra. So we went out there for about, I think, about eight or nine days. Paul might correct me if I'm wrong, but it was something like that anyway. And when we were there, we uh, interviewed a guy who's in relation to a story where supposedly he'd seen a Chupacabra, and the next day, in the middle of the El Yonke rainforest, or on the fringes of it, these sort of man in black and woman in, a woman in black turned up, both in black suits, looking very pale and um, emotionless, you know, wearing suits and business suits in terms of the woman, in like 9,500 degree Puerto Rican heat, you know, in this little village. Uh, bordering on the rainforest and and he described them as like you know looking sickly and ill so in other words you know puerto rico is a totally different culture to the u.s to the uk but the men in black and in this case the woman in black was described as the same like you know you wanted to feed him a good meal and you know get him in the sun to tan the skin a bit and uh, but you know you don't have any uh, um chinese reports but well you know keel talked about uh well, the, yeah yeah, actually, you do get those. I get quite a few of those, you know, where people have said they, you know, there's like a, a Chinese or a bit of a Japanese appearance to them. Um, but what's interesting is it's generally around the eyes, you know, um, in the sense that it, it's just the eyes. It's not, you know, the the rest of sort of the, you know, the physical appearance at all. Um, so in that sense, um, you know, it's kind of odd. One of the other issues that I find time and time again is that, um, the witnesses say that what is sort of particularly creepy is that they're not able to age the men in black. You know, they they look at them and they're not sure if they're looking at somebody who's 35 and who might actually look a bit older than they are, or somebody who's 60 and for some reason looks actually really young. Let's do our break at the age factor. Okay. That's the age factor. Nick Redfern talking about men in black. Kurt Collins is our guest co-host. With Gene and Kurt, you're in... Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, 
a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Sciatica, lower back pain, hip pain, poor posture. If you suffer from any of these problems, get ready to relax. Introducing an amazing product that's been in the market for over 25 years, the Sacro Wedgie. It was invented by a football coach using a common sense osteopath technique. He created this device to help his athletes by isolating and supporting the sacrum, which is the keystone of our anatomy. This wedge-shaped bone is in the center of our hips, where a lot of pain starts. Simply relax 20 minutes daily on the amazingly simple Sacro Wedgie and let gravity do the work, helping muscles rebalance and start releasing nerves. Sit in the sacral wedgie at the computer or while traveling to help correct posture to finally help relieve those stubborn aches and pains for only $33.95. It's made in the USA, so click the family-owned website at sacrowedgie.com, spelled S-A-C-R-O-W-E-D-G-Y.com, or call 1-800-737-9295. That's 1-800-737-9295. Relax your back pain away with the sacral wedgie. The human body is more than 60% water. Your brain and muscles are 75% water. And your blood is 92% water. Water is vital to your body, and alkalizing your water is the key to keep it running at its best. AlkaVision Plasma pH drops keep your entire body healthy, boosts energy, promotes weight loss, and even fights cancer. Call 800-518-7615 or go to AlkaVision.com to find out more. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Do you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Then get on board with the tax admiral and let us steer your way to financial freedom. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. They can freeze your bank accounts, seize your car, home, will garnish your paychecks and benefits. Don't take on the IRS alone. I can fight for you using industry secrets that can help stop the IRS. I'll cut your penalties, slash your interest, and reduce your overall tax bill sometimes. I can even get it zeroed out completely. We're an A-rated company with over 30 years experience helping people clean up their mess with the IRS. And we have a 90 customer satisfaction rating. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS, are facing an audit, a lien, or levy, then call me right away. Call 800-287-7180. Again, that's 800-287-7180. 800-287-7180. Are your Google search results killing you? Unflattering content in blogs, news articles, online reviews, social media, or other sources can jeopardize your reputation, your business, and your livelihood. Let Reputation.com help. Our patented technology will make the truth about you more visible while pushing down unwanted negative content. Improve your Google search results. Call Reputation.com at 1-800-831-0771 for a free consultation. That's 800-831-0771. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. That's the Porky Pig Paracast, okay? All right. 
I don't know. I think if we get him started, it's going to be a pretty strange show. I used to do them a lot at one time. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Nick Redfern's here talking about Men in Black. Answering questions from your listeners as voiced by our guest co-host, Kirk Collins. You were continuing with this story, Nick Redfern. Yeah, how the Men in Black, they... You know, they look weird because it's hard to guess their age. You know, uh, a couple of people actually told independently of each other have said that they look like somebody who, you know, you see some of these Hollywood disasters with plastic surgery where they've just gone too far or, you know, they've gone too far with Botox and they just look, they don't even look properly human anymore. Did the men in black invent <laughs> Botox? <laughs> well, actually, if they do, you know, they should be rich with all the uh, money, I guess, they get from all these sort of old crones who want to look 35 again or whatever. But um, I'll you tell know, you I a think- story. I took something related to that called Restylane to mm-hmm. I wanted to look younger. Uh-huh. And I developed a side effect in my mouth that made it difficult to eat. It was like a little pimple or something. And the crazy doctor, and I'll say that, and the doctor will not be named. I won't name her. But she denied this happened. But mm-hmm. I do know that as soon as the effects of that medication wore off, the pimple in mm-hmm. my mouth that made it difficult to eat disappeared. It was a horrible mm-hmm. time. Let me go on. Go on. You know, oh, you know well. Botox is totally yeah. different from Restylane. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, but that, that is how people describe them. I remember one of them, a woman told me she got really creeped. I actually have never published this one because, you know, I, I don't publish stories if people don't want me to. But, you know... She was okay about me talking about it, providing I didn't sort of reveal her name and, you know, town and all that business. But, it, you know, it's just a small aside. But she said that um, she looked at this guy and she was really creeped out because she said his skin looked like the skin of a newborn baby. You know, it was sort of like pudgy and squashy, you know, and uh, but totally smooth. It kind of looked like, she said, like almost his skin was like an adult baby, you know, which probably would look really weird. You know, so you get a lot of strange things like that, you know, with, with I'm still on that question of the appearance. They just look unsettling is probably the best way to describe them. We had a question from Gogs about this uh, 2012 film from the uh, the hotel lobby footage. I'm sure you've seen that one mm-hmm. where the two men in black stroll in and it's caught on video. Is that, I'm sure you remember that. Did you... Uh, yeah. Did you investigate that story or familiar with it? Well, I, I did, but, you know, I mean, I've looked at that quite a lot, and I've spoken to a lot of people. So the prevailing theory was just sort of some sort of viral thing or, you know, just to sort of, you know, mix things up and see what the response would be. You know, I've never been able to sort of trace it back to a point where the person's come forward and, we you know, we can confirm this and we can confirm that and... Um, you know, the, it, the the film is intriguing, but one of the reasons it's intriguing is because of, you know, the, the lack of uh, the entire story as to how it came to be. That's one of the issues I have with it. So, yeah, it's interesting, but I don't really, you know, put much faith in it in terms of actually showing real men in black. Do you th- think there are any genuine photographs of the experience? Or, or yeah, these just- well... Yeah, I mean, in, in The Real Man in Black, I reproduced this picture. It's quite a famous one, actually. You might already know about it. I'm sure Gene does. That Tim Beckley and um, Jim Mosley took back in the 60s in Jersey City um, when they got a call from Mary Robinson, um, her, her wife of Jack Robinson, who were you know big players in the UFO scene in Jersey City in the 60s. And um, this 
creepy looking guy in a black suit and a fedora was stood outside their apartment well I should say outside uh, over the road uh, in the recess of a doorway watching Mary every morning while Jack was at work and eventually she phoned Tim and Jim and said you know he's been here like four days you know, normally most many black cases they turn up once and they're gone so Tim and Jim raced over to Jersey City early rush hour and they saw this guy stood exactly where Mary said he'd been for the last four days running in the morning. They'd snap this picture and um, you can find it online, you know, a lot of sites. And it clearly is a man in black in the sense that he's got a black long trench coat on. He's got a black fedora on and sunglasses. And he does have this sort of almost like weird blank expression, like a zombie-like expression on his face. And he does look out of place, just stood there rigid, face forward. So... I actually think that could be a real picture of a man in black. It's because when you look at it, it, it is just kind of odd. There's something about it that sort of provokes a sense of, of being out of place and not being quite right somehow. Yeah, I think that one actually could be a real one. But then again, you know, if a lot of these experiences do occur in like an altered state of mind with something that is at least partly sort of visionary in nature, it might almost be impossible to get a... A photograph that might explain why the MIB are so elusive, you know, and why they seemingly vanish off the doorstep almost immediately when they're gone. You know, the idea that it's it's a sort of a shift in reality, that kind of thing. You know, there's a lot of cases like that that, that make me strongly suspect we are dealing with something along those lines. I mean, the most classic example is if you if you look at the case of Peter Rojvitz, he was someone who had a you know, deep interest in UFOs, a very down-to-earth, logical character. And he had this weird experience in a library where this man in black suddenly turned up and you know, the library suddenly went quiet and he couldn't see anybody else in the library. He was totally alone with this man in black who started asking questions about UFOs. And Peter's experience does sound very much like it occurred in, in some sort of weird, altered state of mind. But again, is it internal is it external and why did the figure appear as a man in black if it was just purely internal you know well the point to mention here too is that in the case of the person seen by mary robinson photographed by tim beckley and jim mosley it was a real person now we don't know other than mary's testimony if this guy was really strange you know we're in a part of jersey city in a in a middle-class neighborhood, they have mm-hmm. elements of organized crime there. You never know yeah. what this person really was. No, you don't. And that's, that's one of the problems is, you know, this sort of imagery. I mean, all the guys dressed in black suits or dark suits and fedoras back in the 50s. I actually, there's a few cases I've found, and I can't prove this, you know, just my suspicion, is that I wouldn't be surprised if occasionally, you know, some sort of weird psyops some weird cycle operation psychological operation might have gone on where you know maybe some agency or some black budget group maybe occasionally mimicked the legends of the real men in black and thought hey you know we may not know who these men in black are but we can use the legends of them to our advantage and you know maybe in some cases that's actually happened where there's been mimicking of the of the men in black by somebody else you know, to achieve an aim or a goal, which then makes things even more confusing if you've got real men in black and you've got some sort of psyop thing going on to mimic the men in black for another reason, you know. So that's one of the reasons I find it so sort of fascinating because, you know, it's it's not like an either-or thing. There's, there's so many different scenarios and theories and 
weird cases and you know just and and fascinating cases but but as i said it's you know the the movies are entertaining but they're as far away as you can get from what people actually report apart from the color of the suit you know (laughs) sure we have nick redfern talking men in black kurt collins is our guest co-host with gene and kurt you're in the paracast Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Healthy, organic, fresh fish, robust, mouth-watering vegetables, all from your home. It's called aquaponics. This brilliant, self-sustaining protein and veggie system is perfect for year-round growing. Know exactly where your food is coming from. Aquaponicsource.com is the one-stop shop for all your needs. Fish, fish food, plumbing, full systems, classes, and more. Learn to build your own system. Go to aquaponicsource.com for a free guide to aquaponics. That's aquaponicsource.com. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. 
Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more. And this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to produce an endless supply of nano-sized silver solutions right from the convenience of your home. Silver Lungs. With the addition of our unique lung delivery system, respiratory infections are targeted directly, where traditional oral administration simply cannot reach. This pioneering method also preserves the original particle sizes and delivers your silver solution directly into the bloodstream. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. Chris O'Brien is on special assignment. Nick Redfern is talking about his latest Men in Black book. Our guest co-host is Kurt Collins. We've got more questions, don't we? Kurt, do you we want do. to finish what you were saying, Nick, first? Now let's go to the questions. Um, no, I think I, that kind of wraps it up, really. I think I'm going to Right. Now, well, of course, it's interesting here, before we go on, about the transition here. Because the image of Men in Black from the comic book and the movie is a throwback to Albert Bender before Flying Saucers and the Three Men. It was really... Yeah agents who came in here mm-hmm. to protect some kind of secret. Yeah. And then, of course, Men in Black gets to be far more complicated. And that's why we've got so many questions about it in the question bank at forum.theparacast.com. Kurt, you got some more? This connects with what Nick was saying just a, a moment ago, or his question about it. It's from a, a signed flosser, and the question is about Nazis and a men in black connection. He says, according to John Keel, many of the early men in black reports described them as having German accents and trying to squelch discussions of possible Earth-based saucer technology. It would seem that at one time human agents were actively trying to convince the public that UFOs were piloted by extraterrestrials. What do you think about the connection between German Nazis, possibly paperclip, and the men in black? You know, in terms of the whole paperclip thing, I mean, that's sort of like an entire sort of uh, subculture on its own almost. You know, I mean, when the German scientists were brought over, um, the ones that the Russians didn't grab, a lot of people forget about that, um, you know, the ones that were brought over to the United States, you know, there's no doubt that a lot of them were brilliant. They were Nazis, you know, they were scum. You know, sometimes you have to sort of do a deal with the devil because otherwise they would have all fallen into the hands of the Russians, which would have been even worse. But in saying that, you know, they were as bad as they were, you know, and they knew what was going on in the war. They would still were brilliant scientists. So I don't think we can rule out the scenario of, Suddenly we have this influx of scientists and suddenly people are seeing a lot of weird things in the sky. You know, I think there's clearly some genuine, a lot of genuine UFO cases from the late 40s, really high caliber cases. But does that mean that some of them may not have been sort of secret technologies being developed or new technologies, I should say? I think some of them probably were, particularly with advances in rocketry and things like that, with them bringing the V2 rockets over. I mean, who knows what else was brought over? So I think there's a connection there. Now, 
as far as the Men in Black connection to all this is concerned, yeah, I mean, Keel actually did hit on something when he, you know, he talked about the German angle, but it, it sort of goes beyond that because I've spoken to at least, I, I don't know the exact figure, but I mean, I, I would hazard a guess at like 14, 15 people maybe who told me that the Men in Black had weird accents that they couldn't quite place. One, I remember one memorably said it was as if somebody who was completely foreign to the English language had almost learned it parrot fashion, as if they were asking the questions, but they had no understanding of what the question was. In other words, you know, if you heard somebody speak in Italian, like a 10-word sentence, and you kept playing it over and over, you could mimic that 10-word sentence, but you would have no understanding of what you were saying. You would just be repeating it, you know, like a parrot. The witness said that they felt that the questions were being asked in such a strange accent and put in like the the emphasis on in a way that you wouldn't normally put the emphasis on. It was as if the, the man in black actually didn't really know what he was saying. And it was, like I said, you couple that with a slightly off accent, which is sort of neither English or American or Irish, but it's in English. It's, but it doesn't, you know, it sounds too straight almost, you know, as to be as if it's been learned rather than it being a, a natural kind of thing. So you do get that, admittedly, yeah. It's almost like an actor doing phonetically a foreign language version of a movie. As a matter of fact, there was one song that was very popular in the 60s called Black is Black from a Spanish group called Las Provos. And my understanding, and somebody will tell me I'm totally wrong, that they couldn't speak English. So they sang it in English because the words were written phonetically. And they had no idea what they were singing. (laughs) Well, that's, that's kind of strange, but it, it is the same sort of thing. You know, but that also comes back to what I said about how so many of these events seem as, as if they're being played out for the benefit, once the benefit, because there's no positive outcome for the witness, but they are being played out for the witness. That the goal is to present some sort of scenario to the person. The threat, in other words, is like a... I won't say it's, fa- it's fake, but the threat is part of like the, the parlor game or it's part of the stage show that they perform for reasons we don't really understand. There was a question about that reminded me of what you said earlier about about the, the, the chupacabra. Now, and I wanted to know if men in black are most often connected with UFOs, but do they uh, appear in association with other things, or sometimes they're just spontaneous men in black? Appearances. Well, actually, that's a, that's a really good question because a lot of people think it is just UFOs. I mean, I mentioned Peter Beckman, you know, and him and his friend in the late 60s when they were doing masculine and the man in black turned up. Well, there was no UFO component there. I've got several cases of where people were visited by the man in black and where there was a UFO component, but in the allegedly in the immediate hours and days afterwards, they experienced violent poltergeist activity in the home. I've got other cases where people claim to be using Ouija boards and they woke up in the middle of the night with these shadowy fedora-wearing shadow-type figures watching them, and they felt with hindsight that using the Ouija boards, they'd sort of opened up a doorway to and allowed something through. Now, of course, all that is dependent on whether you accept that Ouija boards have the ability to do that, you know. But what the witnesses are saying, in other words, is that it's not always that there's a UFO component involved. And very often in these sort of middle-of-the-night encounters, when somebody sees the shadowy 
fedora-wearing hat man, there usually isn't a UFO component. That, that's the weird thing, you know. And Well, I'd say it's weird. It's, it's not weird. It's just that people often associate the men in black with UFOs, and when there isn't a UFO component, people get puzzled. But certainly in the most of the reports, there is a UFO angle, but I would say... 10, 15, 20% maybe. Uh, he has a bit of a guess there, but something around those figures of all the reports I get, there is no UFO aspect to it, but there is some other weird aspect to it. Okay, by the way, I have a clarification here about some folklore. The lead singer of Los Bravos was actually German. His name, Mike Kogel. All right? Michael Volker Kogel, born in Berlin, 25 April 1944. So we assume the guy could at least speak German, possibly Spanish, and possibly English. Who knows? I don't know where this started. <laughs> Germany again. Well, uh, well, before we get too far away from the, the last topic, the, the flip of this was a question from Gogs McKay. He said, Nick, do you know of any case that involved men in black being actually seen in a UFO? or beside one, you know, where there was a direct connection, not where they came afterwards? Um, actually, very few, which is interesting in itself. I've actually got one, there's one case in the book where a guy did see, um, a, it was in a classic abduction story, and he did see two guys dressed in black suits on board the craft. Now, that's, I think that's actually the only case, of all three books I've done on the Men in Black, I think that's actually the only case I've ever mentioned where the Men in Black was seen on board the UFO. Um, almost exclusively, you know, it's in the person's home or occasionally, it's, you know, they're being followed down the street. There are some odd cases where, um, you know, they, they photograph the person's home. But I wouldn't be surprised in those cases um, if it's where, for example, you know, some sort of intimidation. It might be some sort of psyop type thing to freak a person out. Um, but with the really sort of weirder men in black angle, for really, I, I, I can only think of that one I published in the new book where they have been seen on board a craft. Otherwise, you know, it's just primarily in the home. Let's continue with Men in Black, Personal Stories and Eerie Adventures. Sounds eerie. We have the eerie Nick Redfern and the kind of normal sort of Kurt Collins and the who knows what Gene Steinberg. With Gene and with Kurt, you're in... You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. Hey, Berkey Guy here. Are you still drinking unfiltered tap water? Does your water contain chlorine or fluoride? Will you have drinkable water in an emergency? The Berkey Guy is here to help you remove these and other potential contaminants from your water, thus helping you drink clean, purified water. We offer Berkey water purification systems at the lowest available prices online. Don't go another moment without Berkey System. Over the last 10 years, we've helped thousands drink clean, purified water. Join them by visiting GoBerkey.com or call me, the Berkey Guy, at 877-886-3653. That's 877-886-3653. Okay, open your mouth and say, ah. Ah. When your child has a sore throat, you need to know when to get help. The doctor recommended Say Ah Sore Throat Exam is your solution. The scientifically designed oral retractor offers a clear view of the throat, relaxing the tongue and minimizing gag reflex. Compare with a medical grade chart, website, and app. Then you'll know just what to tell your doctor. A wellness plan in your hands in minutes. Go to sayahhnow.com. Sayahnow.com, the new mainstay for every family's first aid kit. Owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Get on board with the tax admiral. Don't pick on the IRS alone. I'll cut penalties and reduce your overall tax bill. Sometimes I can even get it zeroed out completely. We're an A-rated company helping people clean up their mess with the IRS. If you owe $10,000 or more, then call the tax admiral. Call 800-287-7180. Again, that's 800-287-7180. 800-287-7180. Paid non-attorney spokesperson, Ricky LeBlanc, admitted in Mass only. Sokolov Law, LLC, Chestnut Hill, Mass. Ken Levan, responsible attorney in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Greg Hobby, New Jersey. The choice of lawyer is an important decision that should not be based solely upon advertisements. While this firm maintains joint responsibility, most cases of this type are referred to other attorneys for principal responsibility. If you know what mesothelioma is, you or someone you love has likely been impacted by this devastating cancer. You may be entitled to compensation. Call Sokolov Law today. 1-800-218-HELP. The only known cause of mesothelioma is asbestos exposure. Thousands of hardworking men and women, including many U.S. veterans and industrial workers, have been diagnosed with mesothelioma because manufacturers knew the dangers but put profits ahead of people. An estimated $30 billion in court-ordered trust has been set aside to pay money to asbestos victims. If you or a loved one has been diagnosed with mesothelioma, call now. You may be entitled to receive compensation without ever going to court or filing a lawsuit. Call for a free legal consultation at 1-800-218-HELP. That's 1-800-218-HELP. Hi, I'm Dr. Sam Nussbaum with the Anthem Foundation. Premature birth is the leading cause of death of babies and disabilities for children. That's why we support the March of Dimes to help mothers have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in supporting cutting-edge research, treatment and outreach to help moms during their pregnancy, and give every baby a healthy start in life. Learn how you can help at marchofdimes.org. Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We have Nick Redfern channeling his inner Dalek. 
<laughs> right? I don't want to have him say exterminate. Act. No, I want to do it. I can do it, sort of, but it really does a number on your throat. And I think they do it with a machine over at the Doctor Who production house. Don't they use a machine to create that effect? (laughs) I have no idea. I don't actually watch Doctor Who, but I do know what the Daleks are. (laughs) All right. Actually, Daleks are satired from Robbie the Robot, actually. They kind of like, you know, that's the that's the evil twin of Robbie the Robot. That's what they are. Kirk Collins is here. Nick Redfern. We're putting together Men in Black stories. Let me kind of cut to the chase here, Nick. Are there any Men in Black cases where you think they really are government agents or the result of some kind of government operation? Well, yeah. I mean, some of them I don't think are even sinister. You know, I mean, if you look back at the 50s, for example, I've got, uh, through the Freedom of Information Act, tons of files on, you know, the FBI's now declassified files on the contactees. I got, for example, George Adamski's, Van Tassel's, George Hunt Williamson, Truman Bethram, Frank Strangers. I got all their FBI files. And in many cases, they were interviewed personally by the FBI on three or four occasions. You know, they traveled out to meet Van Tassel several times at Giant Rock. That's all in the files. Same with Adamski. So in other words, to get to the point of your question, some cases, I think, which are perceived as men in black cases from decades ago may well be have been visits from sort of like plainclothes FBI people or uh, Air Force or CIA even interviewing people about certain UFO cases they've had because in those years the fashion was black suits and fedoras. And then years later, people watch them, you know, when they're in the 60s or 70s, they watch the men in black movies and they think, wow, that's just like those guys that visited me back in 1957. They wore black suits and black fedoras, etc., etc. But they weren't real men in black. They had the same sort of outfit, and they're asking questions about UFOs, but it was more of a legitimate official study. So I think some things that have been interpreted as men in black actually do have a legitimate, regular government angle to them. And I say that, that's why I brought up the the issue of, you know, we can prove through the freedom information files that people like Hunt Williamson, Van Tassel, Adamski were all visited. So there may be dozens of others who were legitimately visited by people in fedoras and black suits. There are a few cases I've got that do lead me to think that, like I said, the men in black motif may have been adopted in a few weird PSYOP cases not very often, you know, I don't think this happens all the time. I think the cover would have been blown. But I think there could have been a couple of cases, possibly done to sort of sow the seeds even more of the weirdness, you know. So if people start talking about these things, people just laugh at them, you know. And so, well, you've, I mean, particularly in today's world, you know, people say, we've been watching too many Men in Black movies. So I think it may have been done as an effect deliberately. But ironically, you know, it may well be the case that whoever's doing this is aware of the real Men in Black legend but has no clue as to what is behind that legend they just know it works for them to actually exploit it now and again just to clarify the dating of men in black the first movie will smith tommy lean jones and vincent d'onofrio playing that insect kind of guy this is before he did law and order criminal intent 1997 okay and the last movie featured josh brolin as the young tommy lee jones don't ask me to explain how that worked. Men in Black, the Galaxy Protectors. Any more questions, Kurt Collins, about Men in Black? I think we pretty well covered that. There are a few questions about other topics, including about 
if Nick himself is paranormal? Mr. Fabuli asks, you are so prolific and hardworking. Nick, do you think there's any possibility that you and the others like you are unwitting psychic vampires who are drawing energy off the general populace, who as a result are sluggish and ineffectual like us? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I am kind of pale. I'm not sort of that... You know, I'm tall, but I'm skinny, and I do dress in black, you know, but uh, that doesn't make me a psychic vampire. <laughs> uh, people often ask me questions like that, you know, about writing and putting books out and writing articles, but there's actually no mystery. I mean, I realize the question was asked in jest. There's actually nothing that bizarre about it, really, in the sense that, you know, I'm very structured what I do. You know, I sort of get up at seven every morning, at breakfast, and I tend to write sort of eight to five, Monday to Friday, and then I stop, like I said, you know, I'm a big one for having a normal life and a good social life, evenings and weekends. So I pretty much rigidly stick, you know, as close eight to five as I can. I like to keep it job hours. Now, I wouldn't want people to think that what I do is like some cynically cynical job. You know, I have a passion for everything I write about in this field. You know, and I try and put out stuff that I hope people will enjoy and appreciate and which will provoke debate. You know, I don't just do it for the sake of doing it. But when you're doing sort of eight to five, Monday to Friday, you know, nine hours a day, Monday to Friday, and you're structured and you sit down and you and you do it, you know, you type the words every single day, nine hours a day, five days a week, you can get a lot done. But if you apply yourself and you're structured, and that, that's what I do, you know, I mean, I have some friends, they get inspired, they like to work through the night. You know, that's not me. I don't like working sort of midnight till six or something like that. I like to keep work hours, you know, and if you do that, but it works for me. You know, I can, I sort of feel, I get up, I wake up, I'm wide awake, and I just crank it all out, you know, till five o'clock. When you're doing that, like I said, five days a week, you can get a lot done. It's, you know, there's nothing sort of magical or weird about it. It's just, you provide you know what you're doing and what you're writing about you can you can achieve a lot in that time it's discipline yeah it's discipline and uh, and of course you know it's like i mean i enjoy the job i do but freelance writing i mean is one of the most precarious jobs out there professions out there and um, a lot of people don't realize that i would say a good 60 percent of all the work i do has nothing to do with paranormal writing at all I do, most of 2009, I spent work doing website content for a Dallas attorney's office, uh, which handled medical lawsuits. You know, today I do like a lot of editing and proofreading uh, services for authors on all sorts of things. Again, mostly nothing at all to do with anything even vaguely paranormal. I've also ghost-written some um, very famous UFO books, which people think have been written by the author, and they were actually written by Nick Redfern, you know, and I've just got to thank you in the acknowledgements, <laughs> and, uh, which contractually I'm not allowed to name which books those are. Aww. But, uh, but I, and I also do a lot of regular newspaper magazine articles. I do a lot of writing for music magazines and concert reviews and um, things like that. I mean, I've had a few people, what I call uninformed and just basically, you know, scummy people who say, well, Nick does this for the money. I can assure them that there's no way I could earn a living, no way at all, from writing books about UFOs, Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, etc. I just couldn't do it. I'll be broke in three months. I know about writing production line books. Yeah. And the money is not there. Believe me, folks, there are rare, rare bestsellers, but just the regular journeyman books, 
great quality yeah. that Nick is doing there, but he's not rolling in it. Now, maybe no, Brad Steiger works, did I mean, better because he wrote four million books, but... You know, I work full-time and can earn a full-time living as a writer going into a lot of different areas, but I couldn't earn a living from writing about what we call the paranormal. A lot of people I know, they say, well, how do you do it? And I can't. And I explain to them, well, you're not diversifying and doing regular journalism as well. You're trying to earn a living from writing a book on Area 51, and that's, that's not going to work, you know. There's only one in a million that does. Nick Redfern, where yeah. can our listeners find more of the stuff you do? Uh, well, my blog, if they Google Nick Redfern plus World of Whatever, and the, the address is Nick Redfern Fortean, F-O-R-T-E-A-N, nickredfern40.blogspot.com, or you can find me at Facebook and Twitter as well. And the books are all available on Amazon and most of them are off the shelves in Barnes and Noble as well. And by the way, print books are staging a resurgence. Just to let you know yay. that. Absolutely, yay. Kurt Collins, you have a blog. Tell us about it. Yes, you can find me at blueblurrylines.com. And you can find us on Twitter. We're known as the Paracast. Look for two Paracast fan clubs on Facebook. And don't forget to subscribe to the Paracast Plus to get the ad-free version of this show and our exclusive after the Paracast podcast. Accept no substitutes. Learn more at plus.theparacast.com, plus.theparacast.com. One-year membership gets you Secrets of the Mysterious Valley by Chris O'Brien. And the five-year membership gets you Stalking the Tricksters, too. Plus.theparacast.com. Chris O'Brien was in special assignment this week. He'll be back next week. Nick Redfern. Oh, it's been fun. We can do ten more shows and not cover it all. Thanks for joining us on the Paracast. Thanks, guys. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.